Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Since we were last here, Kevin, there, there was a decent amount of stuff that kind of came out yesterday news-wise, right? You had a Thursday night football game with a guy that nobody had heard of two weeks ago getting another win at quarterback. I shouldn't say nobody, but he is Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, another legendary quarterback coming back, and we find out is a an interim assistant. I think you know. I don't know how like relevant that is, but Drew Brees coming back for Purdue, right? And Purdue hiring an offensive coordinator, which is intriguing. Who's a Mike Leach disciple? So open it up. What do we say that they got to kind of open up their offense? So, you know, a decent amount of stuff took place yesterday, and it also went to, like, freezing outside. Yeah, there's certainly a lot for this Friday. Uh, We are now, what, less than 36 hours away from the Colts playing a football game. That's a bit unusual for us on a Friday. One o'clock kick tomorrow. Uh, The Pacers start, I think, kind of another new step in their season. We'll explain a little bit more as they're in Cleveland tonight. That is a 7.30 tip. And, Jake, I was thinking this on the drive-in. I'm a little bit bummed. Although the college basketball slate locally is really good over the next 48 hours, um, I'm a little bummed because this is usually Crossroads Classic weekend. And that was always one of my favorite events of the year. Um, And I obviously get the reasons why Indiana, Notre Dame specifically, wanted to back out of that. Uh, You know, obviously Purdue will be over at Cambridge Fieldhouse tomorrow against Davidson, but... I always love that event. I always love the fact that, you know, you got the four fan bases together and uh, just kind of a fun Saturday afternoon down there at Banker's Life. So I am a little disappointed that we no longer have that. Where do you stand on your holiday shopping, Christmas shopping? Uh, I got a good chunk done during the bye week. Because that was always one of my favorite things about this time of year. The Saturdays of, you know, whether it be the Army-Navy game or Indiana-Kentucky for a long time in my young adulthood, you know, Christmas shopping and like, and I realize like the days of the packed malls is probably also, uh, you know, bygones, but it was just always fun to like be in the mall and you, and you go past like one of the TV stores and people are kind of crowded around because one of the games it's on. Everybody's watching that, paying attention to it, or listening to it on the radio. It's just a fun time of year, all the way around. Fun time of year. You know, it's fun. You know, those Crossroad Classic. You know, you kind of meet up on the concourse at halftime and in between games, and you've got you know obviously IU and Butler mingling, Purdue, Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that is no longer. Again, it's still a great college basketball weekend, and we will focus on that for a chunk of today. Thad Mod is going to join us at nine o'clock. Butler gets their Big East slate underway tomorrow night and they have got the undefeated number three ranked UConn Huskies. I think a few tickets still available over there at Hinkle Fieldhouse uh, but a big opener in conference play for Thad Mott and the Bulldogs of course Indiana uh, over at Jake's Old Stomping Grounds with Kansas tomorrow at noon and like I said Purdue and Davidson Tomorrow night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I believe that's estimated for about a 6-15 tip. The first game over there is Ball State and um, Illinois State. That's what gets started in the first annual Indy Classic. Uh, how does team in the NFL play last night? Man, clearly seven in a row, right? And it does not appear with San Francisco, who clinched their division last night, that the 
changing quarterback really makes any difference for them, right? Hottest team in the NFL without their starting quarterback, without their backup quarterback, and without their best player. Yeah, I mean, Debo Samuel. The NFC just feels wide open because it, even though San Francisco is playing really well, as we just talked about, it doesn't jump out at you like, man, the Niners, you know, they, like, look out. They're unbelievable. I, and See, I think a couple teams are on a tier. I think I, Philly, Dallas, and San Francisco I, are on a tier. I would agree. But what I'm saying is, like, that, that tier doesn't. Philly definitely feels like they've been dominant all year. Dallas is really good, Kevin, and they're balanced, but we just don't talk about them, right? There's so much talk about Philly, and then I think just because of the the dynamic nature in which they can score and the pace in which they can play in the AFC, there's so much talk about Buffalo and Kansas City that we just kind of seem to overlook the efficiency of San Francisco and Dallas. You know what I mean? I mean, Jalen Hurts makes plays with his legs, and, and they're a great story because he was not, you know, he was a... He wasn't a guy that was a top 10 pick. I mean, he was a high pick, but not a top 10 pick. But Dallas and Frisco, you watch them and you're like, they just keep winning, right? And they can do it in different ways. Yeah, and they've overcome injuries. I mean, Dak Prescott, of course, missed some time for Dallas early in the season. You know, a couple things, Jake, on last night. Um, made a head coaching candidate list posted on the website last week. The name that I would want to see the Colts certainly interview, and he continues to be. Um, one that impresses is 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans uh, was in the process last year with Minnesota actually pulled his name out of that process um, as San Francisco is making their run to the NFC championship game uh, that 49ers defense continues to impress and you talk about a young kind of CEO type um, I think a lot of people feel like he would fit that mold um, the other thing and, and I want to make this very clear Brock Purdy has got a lot of talent around him but Jake, San Francisco's hand's been forced to play Brock Purdy. But it's one of these things where when you do draft quarterbacks, at some point, and this seems rather obvious, it's really beneficial to give that guy a chance. And that's why I look at the Colts over the final four games and think, why not throw Sam Ellinger out there? Did they feel like they got their, that he got his chance? Is two starts getting your chance? I, I when you fire your I'm offensive coordinator, right? I I, yeah, I, I I get why you're asking it. I mean, you fired your offensive coordinator after the first start. So, uh, by no means am I acting like Ellinger is the next Brock Purdy, but for what it's worth, he was drafted. Don't know, though, right? Forty-five spots ahead of Brock Purdy. Um, and again, when you have George Kittle and you have Christian McCaffrey and you have that defense, it certainly helps you out big time. Uh, but that has just continued to be the head scratcher for me and. Why do I need to see a 37-year-old, in my opinion, banged up and or washed up, however you want to look at it, Matt Ryan? But nonetheless, that's the route that the Colts are taking. Still a four-point spread for tomorrow? I, th- I mean, again, that seems low to me. I... Yeah, still at four. Minnesota at 10-3, and three, the Colts 4-8-1. and one. Again, Justin Jefferson, arguably the best player in the NFL. The Colts will see tomorrow. They will move him around a lot, and it's a banged-up cornerback group. No Kenny Moore. Brandon Faison is doubtful with an illness, so unlikely to play. So that means a lot of Stephon Gilmore, a lot of Isaiah Rodgers, which I think is a good thing. Uh, But then Tony Brown would be your third corner. I don't think we'll get Gilmore like exclusively following Jefferson around, but I do think that is something the Colts need to entertain at parts 
of the game. Uh, Mark, you're awake this morning, right? Yep, I'm here. Just wondered, I mean, Kevin. Showing, showing restraint. <laughs> you know where hard. I'm going with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, got, we got, the, a, got the trigger finger. We saved the Gilmore drops for later in the show once mm-hmm. people are awake and we've conditioned them. Yeah. Uh, good morning to you. Friday, by the way. Some nice maturity, Mark. Happy Friday. It is some good maturity. Uh, this is our last Friday doing this program before Christmas because we will be out one week from today. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah let's 23rd. be telling him that. There's no show on Friday. <laughs> yeah, 23rd. <laughs> we are out. Uh, the Colts will play next Monday night, so we'll have shows all that following week. But uh, yeah, nothing a week from Friday. Uh, the Drew Brees thing moved the needle at all for you, Jake? Am I being truthful? I would hope for 15 hours a week. You are truthful. I mean, not really. I Look, it's. I, I think it's more just symbolic than anything, right? Drew Brees announced as an assistant interim coach for Purdue, but he is going to help with recruiting, so I guess that's cool. But depending on – I mean, I assume it's just through the bowl game, right? Okay. I'm that's what it kinda... sounds like. West right. Lafayette this time of year seems a little different than Del Mar this time of year where Drew Brees lives. How do you think? How do you think the misses – Oh, yeah. Spend Christmas in West Lafayette. Taking the kids over to Harry's. Yeah, exactly. And they can run around Brothers. I think, you know, they got $2 burgers on Tuesday nights there. Um, Yeah, I'm largely with you, Jake. But I do think this. I think it's important to keep your most prominent football player around. And a guy that supports the program. And a guy that wants to support the program. Um, I, I saw something yesterday. I thought it was a good point. Like Breeze, I believe is like I don't know if he has a title, but he's kind of spearheading that NIL collective. So I I think it's important to have that guy around the program. And maybe I'm putting too much into this, but I don't know. Maybe for a couple weeks in practice, you think those guys might be a little bit more motivated to look over and see a Drew Breeze versus Brian Brom, who's going to just going to leave for Louisville in a couple weeks. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, it's neat for. It's cool. There's nothing negative you'd say about it. I just don't think it's, you know, somebody yesterday asked me, like, wait a minute, did Purdue hire Drew Brees as head coach? I'm like, no, 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 let's not. Yeah, make this very clear. This is interim assistant through the bowl game. I mean, it feels honorary, right? Yeah, like he's the coin toss guy. Yeah, pretty much. Which this is happening. Like Louisville, by the way, you know we start bowl games today? Uh, What bowl games today? I'm going to guess the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We have ranked teams matching up in a bowl game today. Okay, GMAC Bowl. I believe the Bahamas Bowl is today. And then you get the Cure Bowl. Those are ranked teams. The Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio and Troy. Okay. But tomorrow you got that Fenway Bowl, which remember... How did they get that big wooden horse for the team to travel on down to the Bahamas? Did they have to put that on a boat? That's the Cure Bowl. That's that's not the Bahamas Bowl. Where is the Cure Bowl? Yeah, I would guess like Mobile. I feel like you played nine bowl games in Mobile. Hanging out in that thing for like three days. In mid-December. Waiting to surprise everybody. Uh, tomorrow you got the Fenway Bowl, which that is kind of awkward because the teams share a sideline and Louisville's head coach left to go to Cincinnati. <laughs> so I don't know if Scott Scatterfield just sits right in the middle of the two teams. Uh, but Louisville, their interim coach I saw was Dion Branch. That's right. Who lived in Indy for a long time. So I think we're seeing... A little bit of this. And again, Drew Brees is not going to be the interim head coach. He's going to be the interim assistant. What? What? Let me ask you this. What would be the worst? Like, if you did not go, if you're the head coach, Kevin Bowen, of, you know, insert name of whatever school, State U, and you don't make it to the college football playoffs, 
What's the bowl that you would be most excited about in terms of location? Probably the Bahamas Bowl, right? Yeah. Now, if we were going with sponsor name, the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. So if you had to come out, if you got a if you got a year's supply of the sponsor and you got to go to a cool spot, what's the best combo? Hometown Lenders Bahama Bowl, not bad, right? Well, if you love mayo, what about the mayo bowl? Yeah, well, but if you win, you get dunked in mayo. And by the way, mayonnaise, the most disgusting condiment on the planet. Yeah, it's not very high on my list. Yeah, I um, am a little. And again, I understand, Jake, but it's a tad surprising to me to see the opt-outs for Purdue in this bowl game. I can't disagree. For for most teams, man. I mean, you ha- again, yeah, and yes, to your point, a lot of teams are going through this. I will say, I guess I should look deeper into this. Notre Dame has two bowl opt-outs. They're both supposed to be first-round picks. Purdue's opt-outs... Are any of these guys going to have their name called in round one? Or maybe even round two? Like Charlie Jones and Payne Durham? I I don't think they're supposed to go that high. Obviously, Aiden O'Connell could be, I don't know, second or third, maybe. Aiden O'Connell's is more personal, isn't it? That was my assumption with everything family-wise. But it's just, it's a bummer the bowl games have turned into a glorified spring game for next year. Totally agree. What about the quick lane bowl where you go to Ford Field in Detroit? Is that bowling? <laughs> I don't like I don't know. The day after Christmas, do I really want to go to Ford Field in Detroit? That's New Mexico State yeah. and Bowling Green, by the way. Yeah, I can't say that one is too exciting for me. The Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. That's the, I'm sorry, that's the Camellia Bowl, which is played in Crampton Bowl Stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. I don't and again, I, I know why these guys are opting out, but isn't there an element of like, boy, we get to play an SEC team in January in Florida? Totally. I, I mean, get to win nine games. You know, the, I mean, and again, these opt outs for Purdue specifically, and I'm just using Purdue as an example. They're in our backyard. The news came out yesterday. Again, I know this is a college football wide thing, but it's just a bummer that this is what the bowl season has turned into because you don't get the opportunity to play LSU in a regular season matchup. That's just, it's not how college basketball or college football really operates. Um, And you get that chance in a bowl game and it's going to be Austin Burton and, you know, a bunch of random guys that we really haven't seen too much this year. Here's the thing, Kevin. It is very easy for me, you, you know, whoever it might be, Mark, people listening to say you know there's just too many bowl games there's just too many bowl games i remember back when it was the orange the fiesta the sugar and the rose and then you know the blue bonnet the holiday and the cotton bowl right there are too many bowl games everybody with 500 i get it but we'll watch them right i mean the reality is it's kind of like the world cup don't get me wrong no i'm not comparing the the stakes by any stretch but I enjoy the World Cup just because it's fun to have sports on in the background when I'm doing stuff throughout the course of the day and whatever else. And I think for a lot of people this time of year, the same is true of bowl games. Like it's a lot of people are on vacation, so it's Tuesday night and it's cold outside. Oh, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn on the television and here's Ohio and Wyoming playing in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Okay, I'll watch that. I'll, now, you don't sit down and lock it in. 
but you'll check it out. And they Bryce get decent- Southern Misseron. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> but I mean, they get decent TV ratings. Oh, I mean, they get unbelievable TV ratings. And so the money's there, so that's why they do it, right? Because we watch. I, I'm a little surprised Barstool Sports has a bowl game. Second year for that? Didn't they do that last year? Is is the bowl game just nothing but like high school and college guys making dumb videos? Ohio and Wyoming. The Cowboys, go Pokes. That game's in Tucson. Graham Harrell, that is the reported name for the offensive coordinator for Purdue. I think college football fans will recognize that name. As Jake mentioned earlier, um, he played for Mike Leach. Um, so this is a type of hire that um, I think Ryan Walters was kind of hinting at of, you know, we want to be a spread team. We we, we, we want to throw it. Um, kind of that air raid system. Harrell was at USC, actually, as offensive coordinator, and then most recently spent one season at West Virginia. West Virginia, for what it's worth, averaged 30 points per game last year, brought in a new AD, and they're looking for um, a new staff. So uh, that appears to be the name. Graham Harrell, pretty young coach. I actually spoke with him after uh, Michael Pittman was drafted. He coached Michael Pittman at USC. Seemed like a decent dude. Um, so that is a hire that I think makes a lot of sense. I, I don't see that hire and think that is archaic Big Ten offensive coordinator football. That, to me, screams modern offense, exciting, and I think if you're a Purdue fan, you should be encouraged by that. <laughs> Somebody just sent me a clip since you're talking about the Mayo Bowl. You ever, you ever heard of a show on TLC called Before the 90 Days? It's like a 90-day preview before people get married. And can't say how. Gal found out that her fiance Ed uses mayonnaise in his hair. What? <laughs> Boy, that's a break of the vows, is it not? I, that would be. <laughs> I don't know. If that, yeah, honey, I'm actually, actually going to stay on my bachelorette party. I think forever. <laughs> Creates a little extra shine in his hair. Apparently, does it smell like sandwich in here, Ed? <laughs> Douse of it. It's just my hair, dear. Just a little, just a little well. tablespoon each morning of mayo really gets things started. I mean, wow, right? I might opt for that here. Oh, here's the <laughs> I have been and always will be a Hellman's man. <laughs> They've got video of Ed, and it's more than a tablespoon. This fella's going half jar. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to puke here on this Friday morning. <laughs> wow. Really gets the shine going. <laughs> That's exactly what he's going for. Lord. Ed's uh, got a good looking head of hair. We mentioned, that. mentioned this a little bit earlier. A new step now for the Pacers. It's kind of unusual. 29 games into the season. And I'm, sorry, I'm busy watching Ed over here. So what's don't, that? 29 games don't mind is me. about, what, about a third into the season. A little bit over a third into the season. They have yet to play... <laughs> Uh, one of the top teams in the East. They have not played Milwaukee, Boston, or Cleveland. Tonight it will be Cleveland. Uh, that's 7.30 up there. So if you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, of the top six teams in the East, the Pacers are seventh. Pacers have only played one game against those teams. That would be a loss to Philly earlier in the year without Miles Turner. So you know, we kind of talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when they were going out West. A new challenge for them, and now they're going to start to play some of these top teams in the Eastern Conference here, who they have not seen yet this year. Have they, wait, have they not played Philly, did you say? Philly once, okay. and that's it. Haven't played Boston, haven't played Milwaukee, haven't played Cleveland, haven't played New York. Um, so they'll see the Cavs tonight. Of course, it looks like they're going to get Cleveland's 
first round pick this year, and you might argue that that trade's already a win. Would you rather have Andrew Nemhard or Karis LeVert? Boy, you're not kidding, man. And Karis LeVert's kind of dropped off a little bit, right? I mean, to be fair, they obviously have added some pieces that have diminished the role for Karis LeVert. When Donovan Mitchell's averaging 29 a game, um, things have changed a bit, but that trade, without question, um, again, you'd probably take Nemhard over LeVert, no questions asked right now. And then the Pacers, in all likelihood, will get Cleveland's late first-round pick coming up here in 2023. It's a big favorite for Cleveland tonight. They're favored by 7.5 over Indiana. Cleveland is one of those teams that you haven't heard a lot about, but they've done... I think they're they're probably about where people anticipated that they would be at this point, right? 12-2 and two at home, third in the East. Um, so again, just a different type of challenge. A lot of length in the front court with Jared Allen. And Evan Mobley. Uh, so it'll be a good challenge tonight for the Pacers. It's funny. Ricky Rubio averaging 13 and, and 5 a game for Cleveland. I know he wasn't healthy a year ago. But he was one of those that... Ricky Rubio kind of gets the Danny Ferry Award. And the fact that once he is a retired player, you're going to look at his teams of service and go, when was Ricky Rubio a Pacer? Yeah, that was awkward. The whole, like, the inability to kind of dump him contract-wise. Yeah. Very, I mean, for sure. Dylan Windler, by the way, Indiana product, still not really cracking the rotation for Cleveland. But yeah, the Perry Perry Meridian, he's a great golfer. There. Is he really? Great golfer. You know what sport has naturally good golfers? Hockey players. You ever watch hockey players golf? Really? I now, is this like a Happy Gilmore reference? No, no, no. I'm being totally serious. I remember um, when I worked in St. Louis, the Blues would do a golf outing every year where, you know, you pair up with one of the Blues players, fundraiser, and... Chris Pronger was an unbelievable golfer. But I think, quite frankly, Kevin, I don't know. You would know better than I. I don't know how much hockey you've played. But I think it's because the range of motion of like a slap shot is the same as a golf drive, right? So it's so the natural movement of one's arm is just similar for I can see a hockey that. player. So they just naturally are pretty good at it. On the show today, by the way, Greg Rakestraw are going to join us 8 o'clock uh, this morning. Then just a little over an hour from now, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joins us. Danny Lopez of the Indiana Pacers is going to join us at 845 to kind of school us on why Adam Silver was here for basically the week hanging out with the blue and gold. And then Thad Mata at 9 o'clock. So we have a big show lined up here on a Friday, getting set for the weekend. And as I'd mentioned, this would be the last Friday that we'll be doing a show because uh, before Christmas because we will be off one week from today as we head down the home stretch. What do we have? Uh, basically one week of shopping left? Nine days, something like that? Right, and for a lot of people, they'll, they'll expend all those nine days. <laughs> or wait until the 24th. Um, we'll get you caught up on what happened overnight as well, by the way. And we'll do that next here. Kevin Aquari, 93.5-1075-TheFan.com on 93.5 and 1075-TheFan. Jake, tonight, Pacers back in action. 7.30 tip up in Cleveland. Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Pacers have not really played any of the best teams in the Eastern Conference yet. Cleveland would qualify as that. A seven and a half point underdog. You surprised by that for Indiana? Not re- Cleveland's pretty good, and it's on the road. Um, I think the Pacers deserve a little more credit than that, but a little more respect than that. But still, I think league-wide, they're seen as a young team. Five o'clock Sunday, is that the tip time with the Knicks? That's correct. Five o'clock on Sunday at the Fieldhouse, yep. Into a little bit of a... Do you call that a matinee? Early evening? That's a matinee, right? Isn't a matinee anything before 
Dinner hour? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll call it a matinee. Sure. Uh, Steph Curry out multiple weeks with that shoulder injury that he suffered uh, here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So that means no Steph on Christmas. You know what uh, What word I heard yesterday for the first time in a while? Had some PTSD. Subluxation. Maybe Steph Curry called up Andrew Luck was like, hey, explain to me again what subluxation is because, boy, I remember going through the whole rigmarole with Andrew Luck of learning what the subluxation is, but that apparently was the diagnosis. PTSD on that front. Yeah, exactly. Mark. I'm sorry. You sent egg salad sandwich (laughs) gifts to me. (laughs) What Do do we have that fella? This is the mayonnaise in the hair fella? horrifying. We do not need to be playing this. I smell like an egg salad sandwich. Well, then he goes on to say, but it really works. That's the only part I got was that part. But yeah, Thursday night football last night, 21-13, 49ers beat the Seahawks. No hotter team in the NFL right now than Sam Fran. They clinched the NFC West. They've won seven in a row. They're on their third string quarterback. They don't have Debo Samuel. But Christian McCaffrey, 138 total yards last night. George Kittle, a couple of touchdowns. And now the Seahawks have lost four of five. So Seattle could be backing their way out of the I was going to say, playoffs. back to reality for Seattle, right? Can you imagine what that fella smells like on a hot day? By the way, speaking of the Niners being hot. No, like I said. I'm trying not to puke I've already almost puked twice here Sorry. on this Friday morning. Sorry. Uh, college basketball, big slate over the course of the weekend. Beginning tomorrow at noon, it's Indiana in Lawrence, Allen Fieldhouse, to take on the Jayhawks of Kansas. Then... Uh, also at noon, IUPUI in Eastern Illinois, by the way. Ball State and Illinois State, part of the Indy Classic to tip things off at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 3.30 tomorrow, followed by Purdue and Davidson at 6.15. UConn undefeated at Hickle Fieldhouse to take on Butler. That game at 7 o'clock. Thad Mata going to join us at 9 a.m. The latest on the Indiana front, Jalen hood Shafino sounded like he was going to give it a go in practice yesterday, kind of test, get him into some contact, some physical stuff, see how that back responds. Like Jake said, it's a noon tip from Allen Fieldhouse. You absolutely love this game for college basketball. Again, it's a bummer to me, selfishly, there's, that there's no Crossroads Classic anymore. Fully understand why Indiana and Notre Dame specifically wanted to back out of that. Indiana wants just play games like this. Um, great to see it on campus, of course, and obviously Kansas will return the favor next year at Assembly Hall. Here was Mike Woodson yesterday on facing the 9-1 and Jayhawks. And they play well at home. I mean, if you look at their record over the last you know, 16, 17 years or so, they, they haven't lost very many games at home, so we're going to have to go in there and commit to 40 minutes and do it on both ends of the floor and, and see what happens. You know, I, I know one thing, we can't come out and start a game like we did against Arizona and, and dig a hole and, and expect to win. You know, I mean that was that was tough the other night. Uh, although we fought back and did a lot of good things uh, against good teams, you just you know you got to be in the game early and and give yourself a chance. Jake, Kansas definitely doesn't have the front court that Arizona has. couple starters back from the national championship team. Not super deep, but again, nice start to the year for them. Nine and one. They lost to Tennessee in the Bahamas. Um, so this is going to be a big challenge on the road. By the way, they haven't lost many games at home for like the last 86 or 97 years. When he said 16 or 17 years, I'm like, that's been one of the toughest places to play in college basketball for a century. Yeah, was he referencing maybe the self era? You know, but Yeah, that's probably right. But I think this is what you love about college basketball, Jake, and this is what college basketball needs to continue to kind of appeal to the non-conference season. You want these games on campus. Yeah. 
you want these guys to feel these atmospheres, the fan bases, of course. Um, so looking forward to tomorrow at noon. Mark, you said the line's dropping again? Yeah, it's down to three and a half. Wow. The Vikings look pretty healthy on the injury report compared to the Colts. Uh, we'll get more into this. Colts-Vikings again. That matchup coming up 1 o'clock on Saturday. I think there's a lot of attention on this weekend um, for the Colts. We'll explain more coming up here in a few minutes. Kevin Inquiry on... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. A nice start to this Friday. <laughs> Aren't you glad you mentioned the Mayo Bowl? <laughs> the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Anyone has any idea what we're talking about? <laughs> so, earlier this morning we were talking about bowl games. Kevin had mentioned that he thought it'd be kind of fun if you liked mayonnaise to go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I had mentioned that I think mayonnaise is the most disgusting condiment on the planet. And... Um, I was texted then a video from a TLC show of a guy that puts mayonnaise in his hair, which is the most disgusting video ever. But uh, Mark now has become a mayo enthusiast and is playing songs about mayonnaise. Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins Mayonnaise. That's a great song. Okay. Kind of a somber intro there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. you mayonnaise in your hair, it should be somber. Smashing Pumpkins, the most overrated band of the 90s. Oh, man. That's harsh. I'm just saying, the most overrated band of the 90s. I don't know if I can agree with you on that. Kevin, you were saying the line it, it just keeps shrinking and shrinking? Yeah, uh, Mark was saying three and a half. For the Colts and Vikings, I, uh, right? I just checked at the break. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah, I'm still seeing four here, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why it would be dropping like that. Uh, again, it's a huge weekend for the Colts when you look at really the draft order. I think first and foremost, um, mentioned a little bit earlier, but you have seven teams sitting at five and eight. So if you look at the Colts right now in seventh in the draft order, teams eight through 14 are all five and eight. So if the Colts go and win on Saturday, and for some reason all those teams lose, the Colts would start next week with the 14th overall pick. That is, not to be like too dramatic, but that's kind of catastrophic almost to your draft position. Um, that would change things big time and what you'd have to trade up and what that could look like. So, um, again, it's a harsh reality of where you're at right now, but if you care about the future, um, particularly at the quarterback position, you don't want this team to win games down the stretch. But it's here's the thing about the quarterback spot. Is there really a difference between drafting 7th and drafting 20th? Oh, I would say huge. Massive, particularly in trade value. But, but I'm talking about for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if you want to trade up, I mean, you, you are mortgaging massive chunks of the future to move up from 20 to 5 than you would from 7 to 5. And I get that. That's fair. And I guess if you're if you're talking about the possibility of trading, yes, but I'm just saying in general. I mean, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I don't see anything to be gained by winning two more and finishing out, you know, at 6-10-1, uh, okay? 
Minnesota is a team that has really struggled, and we'll talk a little bit more with Matt Taylor about this coming up, uh, but really struggled defensively. Uh, they are the worst passing defense in the NFL. Um, it's just kind of odd to say this about a 10-3 and football team. Worst passing defense in the NFL. Their run game has been the worst in the NFL over the last month and a half. Dalvin Cook has done really nothing over the past month and a half. Um, and they are the first team ever to be 10-3 and three and have a negative point differential. Yeah, because they've won a bunch of games. 9-0 and in one like... possession games. But I think it's a I think it's a tremendous skill group. I mean, Justin Jefferson, again, arguably the best player in the NFL. T.J. Hawkinson's a great tight end. You know, when their offensive line, who that group is getting a couple guys back for Saturday. Um, when Do you like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback? I guess that they just put no. They might have put the wrong I mean, team on. I don't know. he's fine, but not to lead my team anywhere in January. Uh, I think of Kirk, he's like a Honda Accord, right? Like perfectly sufficient. He's. I like civics too. Civics are nice, but he's a little bit nicer than a civic, right? He's not an accurate legend, but he's he's like perfectly sufficient, right? A nice sedan, a little bit of roomy. He's okay. But is he getting you deep in January? I mean, I don't know that he he's winning you games, but he's not losing you games, is he? If that makes sense. Like I don't see Kirk Cousins as the quarterback that. The, no, watch. I'm going to be proven wrong on Sunday. But are, are the Colts going to win Sunday because Kirk Cousins throws two timely picks? You know, from a passing off at standpoint, they had a huge game last week. They were over four. Cousins threw for over 400. Justin Jefferson had a franchise record last week, 223 through the air. Um, yeah, I, I'm just again. I'm surprised that it's three and a half. I do think if there's an area the Colts can have a big advantage, it is stopping that Minnesota run. You know, we brought it up a little bit with Ross Tucker yesterday, who is uh, calling the game for Westwood One. You know, the Colts' defensive tackle group in particular, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, uh, they should be kind of licking their chops with how poor Minnesota's run defense has been or run offense has been here in recent weeks. But I just think with a banged up cornerback group, they move Jefferson all around. Unless you put Gilmore on him. I just see Jefferson having a huge day. You know what I just I just thought of right now, Kevin, and this is the kind of it, you know I don't know if you ever thank yourself for the fact that you've got access to this kind of neuroticism sitting right next to you. But um, if you look at the Colts' defense, can you name for me, please, the let's say the six the six best players on the Colts' defense right now, at least on their line. Let's go with their line. You got DeForest Buckner, right? Do they have a six best on their defensive line? Good point. Grover Stewart. You got Quiddy Pay. Okay. Um, if, you, if you go with the linebacker core, you got Zaire Franklin. We got throwing Ngakwe. Okay. That's fine. Uh, and by the way, you need Ngakwe, right? Now, so here's the thing. Is this, is this the largest collection deep that you can go of people on a unit where every single one of them has a first name that they're the only person you've ever heard of with that first name. You ever think about that? Do you know of another DeForest? Wasn't Grover a president? Ooh, good point. And Grover the... Grover, obviously, the the monster as well. Grover Cleveland, yes. Uh, Grover and Grover Cleveland Alexander. So there are a couple of Grovers. Good point. But Quiddy... 
Zaire, unique. That's a that's a. There's got to be a nickname for this, right? Like you had the killer bees with the dolphins. You had the no name defense at one time. Like I mean, this has got to be like you br- you bring in Gakwe back. You know his name is unique, literally and figuratively. I think he's been okay, don't you? I mean, probably. Here's the thing about Unique Ngakwe. There were expectations about him coming in probably of more than what he realistically was. But if you've got players around him, depending on what you're paying him, I think he's been... (laughs) God almighty. We can't get away from this thing. Mark is pointing to the screen where they're showing videos of the... Shane Beamer Beamer right there getting doused Uh, in the It's just horrific. Just horrific. Um, but I think I he's been okay. Smell like an egg salad sandwich, but it really, really works. You know, a guy on pace for double-digit sacks, Jake. Is it kind of a slap in the face just to call that okay? I mean, the Colts would dream, have dreamed for double-digit sacks off the edge in recent years. Yeah, I just, I think that when he came here, it was like, holy cow, what? A, and you know, because yeah, the Colts I, haven't had right what he gives you. Again, the, the sacks haven't been the most impactful, but I think when you look at the list of free agents this season, the fact that he has been available and again has produced to that level. Um, that free agent candidacy, and of course, is Gus Bradley going to be here and all of those things, uh, that's going to play a huge part in it. But the fact that Ngakwe suits up every week and is going to end the year with double-digit sacks, I think everybody would have signed up for that at the start of the year. He probably is. You're right. I mean, he's their leading man. The fact, though, the fact that they have two players on their roster, two, with more than five sacks, only two, that seems low, doesn't it? Yeah, to get just the consistent rush, particularly late in games, has not been there at all for them. Um, facing Minnesota, they will see a couple of pretty good edge rushers and Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. Uh, but Braden Smith will be back in the lineup. Of course, you did not have Braden Smith for that Dallas game. He will be back in the lineup, so that'll be an important one to have. Uh, you care at all about the World Cup on Sunday? I will watch it. I mean, I'll flip through to see what's going on. Do I care? Yeah. I, you know... I don't necessarily want to open this door because people, it, there's just no win here because it's a very polarizing subject. But, but Kevin, I can't lie to you about the fact that the fact that the World Cup was in a nation that has so much scandal around it for so many different levels kind of soured me to it as the games went on. And I know that people can come after me all they want for that. I I apologize for it. It's just kind of the reality. I enjoy, I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy any competition where that's going on and there's sports on all the time. It's cool. I, I know what it, but you know, even in knowing that like a lot of the fans in the stands are not actually fans, but they're like getting paid by the government there to, to wear the outfits and dress like the fan. It just, a lot of it feels very posed for me. So you find yourself turning away because of that? Not turning away, just not not tuning in. You know what I mean? I mean, not not like in protest. I just it just kind of was like, eh, okay. It, you know, it kind of felt like this is a really bad comparison. I it felt like when the NCAA tournament and it was fabulous the way the the job that the NCAA did and the television and the venues here in Indianapolis. I mean, it really, they really did a heck of a job. 
but it still just felt different watching the NCAA tournament games in all of the different venues here. It just wasn't the same as the tournament. It wasn't the same as watching the, you know, let's go to Greensboro. Let's go to such and such. Look at the packed stands and the, you know, the bands and everything else. It was just different. And I just feel like for this tournament, it was a little bit different. Yeah, Fitch, this is something we talked about earlier. The thoughts on D'Amico Ryan as a Colts next head coach. He would be on my very short list. He'd probably be a top that short list. I know it doesn't necessarily check the offensive side of the ball, but what he's done with that defense, the young kind of CEO, leader type, um, he would be a name that I'd be looking heavily heavily into. Uh, this from my friend Lori, who's a school teacher. About 20 years ago at my school, we had a lice epidemic. All of the staff members would go home and put mayonnaise in our hair because apparently that kills lice if you have any. It smells absolutely disgusting, but my hair was super soft. No. I can imagine what her no. hair smelled like. You just got to shave it off at that point. I smell like an egg salad sandwich, but it really, really works. <laughs> You can't do that. You just can't. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, Tony, want to talk to Forrest Buckner, Mark? It's something like that. Yeah, his phone was kind of cutting out, so I couldn't get it all. So, Tony, go ahead. What's up, Tony? Hey, guys. Jake, don't apologize for your feelings, man. It's why some of us hate on the live golfers. It's kind of dirty money, man. <laughs> but, uh, no, guys, I'm in between your ages. Are neither of you Trekkies for an easy DeForest? <laughs> no, no. Are, we, are either of us, say that again? Star Trek fans, man. DeForest Kelly, Bones. Now, funniest guy in the show. Now, hang in. Hang on here. Have you been to Riverside, Iowa? I have not. You need to. Go, are you a Star Trek fan? Heck yeah. Okay, well, I'm not old a school. Not anything new anymore. Sounds, Sounds like a, a diehard. I am not in any way, shape, or form a Star Trek fan. I don't have anything against it. It just did my wheelhouse. But Riverside, Iowa, small town, nothing going for it. Late '80s, the mayor says, "You know what." Captain Kirk in Star Trek claims in the future that he was born in the state of Iowa, so they wrote to Warner Brothers or whoever and declared Riverside, Iowa, the future birthplace of Captain Kirk, and the entire town is decked wow. out in Star Trek stuff. Literally. That, they have yeah, a Star I knew Trek he was festival. From Iowa, bro, but you guys have a good weekend. Go Colts. All right. Thanks, Tony. Tony used to go there. He sounds like a diehard. I'm telling you, the whole town. Starship Enterprise everywhere. William Shatner goes there for a festival every summer. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this week I think kind of sums up the Ngakwe season. I've watched Yannick for the past few years. He puts up stats, but after watching him weekly, they just don't seem to be the most impactful sacks at key times in the game. I guess we got spoiled a bit with Mathis and Freeney. I just think the consistent rushes. Like To me, it's not necessarily, okay, if you end the game with one sack, I would probably rather take four quarterback pressures than one sack during a game. Because if those four quarterback pressures lead to, you know, three incompletions or potentially that pressure leads to a turnover of an errant pass or something like that, uh, that's where I feel like the Ngakwe part is missing a bit. But again, having said that, he still suits up every week and he's going to get you double-digit sacks. And... I think about all the swings and misses Chris Bowers had with edge rushers in his draft history. You would have dreamed for that from, and again, injuries have played into some of these guys, but Tyquan Lewis and Kamoko Turi and Ben Banigou and Terrell Basham, those guys never sniffed. How how about Dio? I mean, like, what's the the shelf life on Dio? I mean, I think he's still young. I mean, it's year two, came off a torn Achilles, so I think it's still early to group him into the others. But Basham, Banigou, Lewis, Turi, I mean, they all have played out their rookie contracts. I think it's fine to go there with them. Mark, is soft hair important enough to you that you'd be willing to smell like an egg salad sandwich? No. 
My hair's getting a little thin, so if it did hair restoration or something, I'd be all for Oh, the PAI folk. Oh, yeah. Call John. Yeah. You seen JMV and Rick DeMulling speak highly of it? I know. I need to get on that. They're great people. If they said, hey, mayo works, I'm going to Costco and live up on Duke. Mark, no, you can't do that. You can't. We can do a show bit for it. (laughs) You imagine your daughters? My imagine my daughters what with mayo in their hair watching their father put mayo in, in his hair trust me they're my kids they're gonna see me do a lot worse oh you know um you know that comedian that jeff dunham oh yeah the the ventriloquist fella? overrated yeah what's that what you said smashing pumpkins was overrated uh that jeff dunham i had a friend that was on the jay leno show and he was on the same night as jeff dunham mm-hmm and he said they were backstage in the green room, and Jeff Dunham, he didn't recognize Jeff Dunham. And then, like an hour before Jeff Dunham went on, some guy came out with a can of like spray paint and spray painted his hair on. And the whole thing is, is, is fake. Didn't Carlos Boozer do that? Yeah, Carlos Boozer looked like he had shoe polish at one point. It looked like it was kind of just Sharpie. Yeah. Very uh, direct, li- very nice lines, <laughs> yeah. though, on that. The like, Carlos Boozer hair was a Good right angles with a lot of those Is there lines. any player, by the way, who had a faster ascent and then faster decline than Carlos Boozer? Remember, like, one year, he was, he was a max contract guy, and then, boom, it was over. It was like, what happened? And I, there was talk... Carlos Boozer was in that, he cashed in in that free agency class with LeBron and everybody yep. else. He was the like the consolation prize. Correct. And he made a boatload of money and then that was it. That's Did Dansby Swanson's about to be with baseball. He's like the fourth best shortstop and he's going to get like $200 million. Did want to mention this. Uh, I guess we've had on the show before, Brian Newbert from Golden Black announced yesterday that um, he has another brain tumor and is going to go on a... Um, take a leave of absence I believe this is second or third time he's had to have surgery on this so I know Brian announced that yesterday so thinking about uh, Brian his family and um, certainly the doctors and that hopefully everything will be as smooth of a process as it can be really nice guy for him and a solid professional which are two great things to have said about you and but take a complete back shelf of course to wanting him simply to be healthy so we, we absolutely hope the best for brian who does a great job uh, greg gregshaw joins us next year kevin Aquare. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Got a load of guests line up here in the next hour. Again, Thad Modica to join us at 9 o'clock. Big Big, big East opener for the Bulldogs coming up on Saturday night, hosting undefeated UConn. But we'll begin like we do every Friday at 8 a.m. He is Greg Rakestraw from ISC Sports Network. And, of course, he'll be in these studios or in the studio tomorrow uh, for the Colts postgame show, 1 o'clock kick, Colts and Vikings. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Rake Sunday morning, we've got Argentina-France. I would think from a TV rating standpoint, this has got to be pretty close to kind of a dream matchup there with storylines for each country and the star players as well. And I would say pretty close to, you know, having the favorites there as you're going to possibly have. You know, a lot of folks maybe thought it was going to be France and Brazil, so Argentina would be the next best thing. And obviously you got the story of, you know, can Lionel Messi and what's his final World Cup? He hasn't announced it, but again, Father Time catches up with everybody. It's going to be his last go around. Um, you know, can can it's the only thing missing in his career? You know, can he deliver a World Cup championship back to Argentina for the first time 
1986? Or can France be the first team to go back-to-back in some 60 years in the World Cup? So it is not a World Cup final that is bereft of storylines, put it that way. Greg, in terms of Messi, listen, I think all of us know of his name, certainly, and those of us that are not regular soccer enthusiasts and viewers, I mean, I know absolutely uh, of Messi, but... Uh, you know, safe to say that that he is in the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana discussion of all time. So, I, I mean, he's what top five all time? Yes, and, and, and I, again, is he ever going to be as as legendary as as, as Pelé? Probably not. Uh, he would be right behind that in the Diego Maradona, uh, Johan Cruyff. You know, you know, player Cruyff players like that. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the Brady Manning. Because that is the most obvious comparison with he and Cristiano Ronaldo. It is the most direct corollary of saying those two guys, clearly the best players of their generation, and have been for the last 15 to 20 years. Um, Again, because of the clubs he has played for and the numbers that he has put up, there is no doubting his greatness as one of the best to ever play. And the era is so different in now that so much of the – talent is concentrated from a you know professional standpoint in Europe and obviously Messi has played at the highest level there too so again this this is this is just checking off the last box if they win having won a World Cup for Argentina again 10 a.m. on Sunday that'll be Argentina and France for the World Cup Greg Rakestraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline Rake yeah, at this time of year when the Colts are four eight and one a lot of the topics are big picture um, so I'll throw one at you. Um, come September 2023, do you think it's, I guess, kind of rank and order the most likely to be in their current roles? Chris Ballard, Jeff Saturday, Matt Ryan. It may not be any of the three, uh, you know, to, to be blunt about it. Um, I think a lot of that is still up for debate and up for discussion. Could Jeff be the head coach? Perhaps. Does Jeff want to be the head coach full time? He talked about that last, you know, this week that that yeah, he, he's kind of gotten this bug. I still don't know if maybe that's exactly where Jim Irsay sees him in the organization. I don't know what Chris Ballard's status is at this point. I think we've seen enough for Matt Ryan where you can say, hey, you're, you're probably going in a different direction and a younger direction at quarterback next year. So uh, if you had to ask me. You know, what's the most likely permutation? I'd probably say all those spots could be new by the time we get to next year. Greg, it feels to me like the Colts are just right now on the cusp of just starting all over. But at the same time, I wonder if if they aren't just a few tweaks away from being right in the thick of it. Which way do you see it? That's that you, you can be in that overlap of both things. Just because, again, I, th- I think they've got to go a different direction at quarterback. They clearly have to get some reinforcements along the offensive line. Playmaker at wide receiver would be nice. But defensively, you're going to see most of the pieces back intact next year. You've got a player like Jonathan Taylor. I like what Michael Pittman Jr. is you know, from a wide receiver standpoint. So you can frankly be both. And it's not like now when you go young at quarterback that you can't win and win immediately. So I think both those statements that you made can be true. This is the closest the Colts have been to a rebuild 
since the 2012 season. In that season, the Colts won 11 games and were a playoff team. And so, again, I think both those statements can be factual about this football team. Again, Greg Rankshaw is with us here, ISC Sports Network. And, Rick, this is a college football issue, but because they're in our backyard and the announcement was yesterday, um, there's some relevance here with Purdue and their bowl opt-outs. Again, no Aiden O'Connell, no Charlie Jones, no Payne Durham. I believe Corey Trice, uh, one of their cornerbacks, opted out as well. If you were to look at like early draft projections, I mean, maybe O'Connell cracks the day two, but I don't think we're expecting any any of these guys to be top 40, top 50 picks. Is there anything college football can do to try and get these guys to play in bowl games? Because it's turning into just kind of glorified spring game and not the, hey, we're playing the SEC team in a January Florida bowl game. I really want to be out there. Uh, that's not happening. Put it in their NIL contracts. That would be the way to fix that. Greg, I think that's, I mean, and I realize you're saying that. People are going to think you're saying that facetiously. You're being serious, and I think that's where it's headed, right? But don't you get finicky there with, like, health situations with some of these guys? And obviously, Aiden O'Connell's had a lot of stuff off the field, so I don't necessarily want to slot him in there. But, you know, can't you see these guys being like, well, I've played through some injuries. My agent says I shouldn't play. Yep, I put it in the NIL contract. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, now that these guys are leaning a lot more toward empl- employees officially, uh, that's exactly how I have to do it. And that seems cold and that seems callous. Um, but, but that's the one remedy you have left. Listen, I, I understand where these guys are coming from. I get it. I'm not sure I like it. I don't have a great logical ground to argue that they're not doing the right thing. To me, there and, and I understand the difference in you're playing in the college football playoff and you're not. If you're not, it is an exhibition. There is something to be said, though. You know, you're not playing in the Weed Eater Bowl. You're playing in a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, and, and so, again I, again, I understand it. I just don't like it. Uh, and, and you cited the draft stock of those guys. I would probably put Payne Durham a little higher in terms of everybody else in that group. These are guys that I think are going to get a look at the NFL team. I'm not exactly sure what the likelihood of them being on, say, an active you know, opening day roster is going to be next year. So part of that's like, you know, really? Um, but again, don't like it. Not sure it can be fixed. But if there is a way to fix it, now that paying players is above board, put it in the contract where, hey, you have to play in a bowl game or be medically excused from playing in a bowl game to receive a certain percentage of that money. Greg, I think the thing that makes, and and I want to make this clear for people, at least from my standpoint, you guys feel free to chime in if you agree or disagree, but I think there are people out there who hear if there's hesitation about NIL, the name, image, likeness, payment for players, that that means that that we, or in this case me, whoever it might be, have some sort of opposition to people getting what they're entitled to. It's not that. It's the fact that I'm all for it. It's the fact that, A, it's just really hard to monitor what a player's value is when they have yet to play in a college game. So if there's such a chasm between the high school game and the college game, you don't know whether you're signing Christian Lander or whether you're signing Christian Leitner. You just don't know what the value is going to be towards what they're bringing to your program. 
And so as a result of that, determining the value ahead of time is hard to do. And then also, even though it's the way the real world works, I realize that. You know, how do you have one kid that's making $500,000 on a team with a starter that's getting two free pizzas a week? Uh, you know, it's it's just a wild, wild west. And I think that the, that having a hesitation towards grasping it and understanding it doesn't mean we're opposed to it. Now, that's where I'm coming from, Greg. Is that a fair statement on your, your thought process? Correct. And again, I, I, I agree that those guys should be getting something. I also I, I am for a system that rewards those players without crippling everybody else's opportunity. Right, that's fair. Uh, because that has been because I, I know that what the revenues generated by those football programs, by those basketball programs, and by the tournaments from a men's basketball standpoint. That funding mechanism is what funds every other championship at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level. That was always my concern with you know funding players or, or or paying players was that it would do something to to disrupt everything else because the men's basketball tournament carries the freight for so much of what the NCAA does. If name, image, and likeness provides a way to get more cash in, in players' pockets legally and still allows the rest of the system to function, then that is something that I am for. In terms of the differences in what player A versus player B is going to get, welcome to you know the free market economy. That everybody is an entrepreneur and their own business at this point. It's just the way the system is set up. And again, I'm not sure there is a, I'm not sure it's great. It's certainly not perfect. If you've got a better way to do it, I'm all ears. Let me know. Rick, I know you've been a busy man these past couple weekends on the high school basketball front. Um, This is maybe a bit of a selfish question considering where he's going to college next year, but could we be looking at a potential Mr. Basketball from the city of South Bend this season? We could be. Uh, In terms of Marcus Burton, you know, I I went into the season thinking Xavier Booker was the clear favorite, uh, and, and still, because of his national recruiting level and the fact that he's playing at Michigan State, um... You know, it, it, it's still potentially his to lose, but on these two showcase events the last two Saturdays, he's not been great, and he's been largely quiet offensively. At the same time, when Burton has a statewide stage with the Forum Tip-Off Classic, his team gets down 21-1. to He leads them back. He scores 37 of their 57 uh, in a win against a good Zionsville team. Down 21-1? to 21-1. to Al Rhodes called three timeouts in the first five and a half minutes. And Penn still won the game. Um, Penn will play in the Hall of Fame Classic. We'll have that on ISC coming up uh, on December 30th, so two weeks from today. And then it will be what he can do in the month of March. So, again, I thought Xavier Booker was the favorite going in. He is still one of the favorites. I think he's left the door open. And what Burton can do offensively, he's in the conversation. I think Miles Colvin, to a lesser degree, is in the conversation Again, because he's going to go to Purdue because he's an outstanding talent playing at Heritage Christian hurts those chances a little bit. Uh, and if Ben Davis keeps doing what they're doing, probably Zane Dowdy needs to be in the conversation just because he's going to probably end up averaging about 15 to 18 points a game, 12 to 13 rebounds a game. And if he does that on the number one team in the state, 
then he merits, you know, being in the conversation too. Rick, I did want to mention this um, for those that might have missed it. Just an unbelievable anecdote. I was hoping to chat with you about this over at the Colts Complex the other day. Uh, but you had earlier in the week that Mike Leach actually interviewed for the University of Indianapolis head coach position in 94, 95, something like that? That is correct. So the job has only opened up three times since like 1970. So the, the coaching lineage at UND, Bill Bless's first year was 1969. Joe Polizzi got the job in 1994. Bob Bartolomeo took over 2010, 2011, one of those two. Chris Kievers then has had the job uh, for each of the last three seasons. So when the job opened up in the spring of 94, I was not yet on campus. I was a senior in high school. I got to town in August of 94. Apparently Mike Leach, who at the time was working for Hal Mummy at Valdosta State at the Division II level, interviewed for the job. I had no idea about this until about two or three years ago when a friend of mine, who was a couple of years ahead of me, shared that information with me. So a handful of players met with Mike, you know, as they were doing on-campus interviews and visits and things like that. Mike didn't get the job. Now, let me say this. The person that got the job is a dear friend of mine and Joe Polizzi and did a very good job at UND. Got them to eight wins by year number four in competing for a conference championship after UND before Joe had gotten there and had a streak of one or two win seasons and went on a five-year stretch and they didn't win a road game from 1990 to 1995. So the job that Joe did was really good for 15 plus years it is a it is a might have been that mike leach could have part of his story could have been coaching here in the city of indianapolis as i'm not sure if he was a finalist for the job but he at least had an on-campus interview for the job as part of the process in the spring of 1994 you almost wonder greg if that was his first venture into trying to get a head coaching position Right, could have been because I, I I can rattle off some of the different places that he has been. Oh yeah, like okay. I mean, he's been some big places because they went to right. Kentucky, right? Mummy, like that that Mummy, staff. Mummy went, went went from Valdosta State to Kentucky, right. and Mike went with him to Kentucky. I believe that is the uh, flow chart in the late nineties. Gosh, crazy, crazy! What could have been? Jake, got anything else for him? Greg? Here's a. I've always. Around that time, you tell me, when did when did Indiana Central become UND? 85, 86 in, okay, in that so window. A little earlier than that. Okay. Is UND ever going to go D1, Rake? Uh, as of now, no. Uh, that was tabled. Um, they have you know an interim president because Rob Manuel, the previous president I was a big fan of, left to take the DePaul job. They're currently on an interim AD. Probably not the time to go the Division One route when you have no current president and, and an interim athletic director. So you, they have tabled that discussion for now. My best guess would be is that once that president and AD are both in place in the summer, then those discussions start up again, or it's a big part of the interview process. So as of now, they're staying division two. I don't think that's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. And the thought process being that if they had gone Division One in basketball, men's basketball, they would go into the Ohio Valley. Um, Stan Gerard, though, speaking of the Ohio Valley at Southern Indiana, I know there's you know there might be some folks around here who have kids or themselves went to USI, but Stan, the longtime UND coach, I think he's doing a pretty good job down there, Rick. Doing a fantastic job, and again, they have the facility, um, they have the pedigree. 
they will go to that league and be successful immediately. Now, they have to go through a four-year transition cycle where they're not playing in the NCAA tournament. But if you've never seen their on-campus arena, it's gorgeous that seats 5,000. Stan can really coach, um, and they are located in the absolute heart of the Ohio Valley Conference. They probably have less of a travel budget being in the Ohio Valley than they did being in the Great Lakes Valley Conference. So I'm not surprised that they are going to Division One and having immediate success. Stan will do great things down there at USI. It is the unusual Saturday kick for the Colts, which means Greg Rakestraw will be spending his afternoon fielding some Colts calls on the post-game show coming up again, 1 o'clock, Colts and Vikings tomorrow afternoon. Ray, thank you, my man. See you, guys. That's Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline with Thad Mata at 9 o'clock today. We'll bump Matt Taylor up to 8.30. Kind of stick with our normal Friday routine of having Greg Rakestraw and Matt Taylor join us. But again, Thad Mata coming up at 9 o'clock. Let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Speaking of Ball State Sports, they're taking on Illinois State. 3.30 in the afternoon, that kicks off the Indy Classic tomorrow at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. After that, Purdue and Davidson at 6.15. Of course, by the time that first game between Ball State and Illinois State tips off, we likely will know the winner between IUPUI and Eastern Illinois and Indiana at Kansas. Both those games tipping off at noon. And then UConn and Butler, 7 o'clock on Saturday night. That game at Indy. As Jake said, it is number one Purdue in the inaugural Indy Classic, the Battle of the Lawyer Brothers. Foster Lawyer for Davidson, of course, Fletcher Lawyer lawyer for Purdue. That's part of why this matchup uh, came to fruition. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on the new Indy Classic. Well, for us, obviously, we like to continue to play in Indianapolis, but there's a lot of other events kind of looming. So we're um, just kind of waiting to, to see, obviously, where the Gavit Games goes. Obviously, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. we got to be able to pick up on something if we don't play in Indianapolis again and obviously pick up on another home-and-home or uh, an event like the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which would obviously not be conference-wide, but uh, trying to get quality opponents. If you look at good schedules, you know, you're looking at people that are playing five to six, nine conference games that are NCAA tournament teams, high major teams. And if you can hang in there and especially your other teams not play people in the 250s and below, 225s and below, you're really going to help yourself, especially with the strength of schedule within our conference. So again, that'll be around 6.15 tomorrow, Purdue and Davidson. Tonight, the Pacers up in Cleveland. It's a 7.30 tip against the Cavs. Mentioned this earlier, the Pacers have yet to play any of the top three teams in the East. That would be Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. Uh, The Cavs are favored by 7.5 in this one. Uh, in the association last night, it was Heat over the Rockets, 111-108. Memphis over Milwaukee, 142-101. Utah and Phoenix also getting wins last night. Again, as Kevin had mentioned, Pacers, Cavs tonight. And then back at the field house, they'll take on the Knicks on Sunday. Also last night, Thursday night football, the 49ers continue to be the hottest team in the NFL. That is now seven straight for them. It is darn impressive what they're doing on a third-string quarterback in Brock Purdy without Debo Samuel, arguably their best player. Uh, 21-13 winners last night. They clinched the NFC West, so they will get at least one home game in the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey, 138 total yards. George Kittle with a couple of touchdowns and... 
So I've said throughout the show, D'Amico Ryans, their defensive coordinator, needs to be on the Colts head coaching candidate list. Do you think Brock Purdy's favorite movie is Deliverance? I just got to thinking about that. I don't what? <laughs> there are people my age. I mean, I get the reference. But. In my opinion, that yeah, sucks. Kind of waiting for that. I didn't know if Mark had the button that, stuck. That's, or that's the, the word you had to there. go with there, Mark. Come on, man. Seahawks have lost four of five. Or egg salad sandwich. You want that one? <laughs> yeah. Can we get that instead? No. What uh, we learned earlier is that some fella on a show puts mayonnaise in his hair. We learned that earlier on the program, right? Somebody tweeted me, though, and they said, if 2004 Jennifer Aniston told you on the set of the breakup to put mayo in your hair, you damn well would have done it. Yeah, what would you be saying right now if Jennifer Aniston had told you to do that? I smell like an egg salad sandwich, <laughs> but it really, really works. Hell yeah, I would smell like an egg salad sandwich. Would she feel that way? I don't know. If she asked me to do it, I'd do it. Uh, Colts final injury report of the week. No Kenny Moore, no Mike Strawn. Um, those two are out for tomorrow. Sounds like Brandon Faison, another corner, is unlikely to play. He's been out due to illness all week. So the Justin Jefferson matchup. A lot of Stephon Gilmore, a lot of Isaiah Rogers, maybe some Tony Brown. Um, we'll see how that goes. But again, it's the spread still hovering right around three and a half, four points for the Vikings over the Colts. Again, one o'clock kick, NFL Network, and locally on Fox 59. More? More? We got bowl season starting, Mark. Oh, okay. Bowl season underway today. Nothing like your 11.30 a.m. kick from the Bahamas Bowl. Any guesses to who's playing in that game? The Bahamas Bowl? You said? Yes. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, Boise State and Akron. We've got Miami of Ohio and UAB kicking off at 11.30 a.m. Again, we got a ranked matchup in the Cure Bowl. That is Texas-San Antonio, the Roadrunners, taking on Troy. A couple Maybe. 11-2 and two teams in that matchup. Again, tomorrow is the Awkward Fenway Bowl. Cincinnati-Louisville, they both... Is that what it's called? The Awkward Fenway Bowl? <laughs> they both Sponsored stand... by Awkward? Stand on the same sideline, and then Scott Scatterfield went from Louisville to Cincinnati. Yeah, did you see that sky shot of what the field looks like? It's weird, it right? It's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, wasn't it... Didn't they do the... Uh, well, they played games at Wrigley, and of course... They did, but then they had to go to, like, one one field goal post. They were going in the field. same direction. Correct. Yeah. They, all, they had to go yeah. the same yeah. direction, right? All right, bring it past the midcourt line. Make it, take it. Which is weird, because the Bears played there for years, and they figured it out. So why they couldn't figure it out, I don't know. Maybe the Bears weren't finding the end zone very often. Okay. It's time for break. <laughs> we have six bowl games tomorrow, for those that have interest. It took them 38 years of Bears home game before they're like, wait a minute. What happens if both teams score? When we get to this end part, what does that do? (laughs) Matt Taylor. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Points. Voice of the Colts joins us next. Matt Taylor, Voice of the Colts, joins us right now. It's kind of a different Friday. For Maytay than usual, the Colts aboard a plane a little bit later today for Minneapolis, and it's a one o'clock kick tomorrow. Uh, Matt, I don't know, maybe this is kind of the state of the season at four, eight, and one, but I think some fans would maybe find interest in this. What does like the Matt Taylor schedule look like from when you land in Minneapolis to the one o'clock kick? <laughs> um, I don't know how many people are going to be involved in this or interested in this, but. Um... You know, I, I'm I pretty lay low on the road. Um, the road actually gives me more time to just sort of be alone and, and go over more notes and, and more game prep because you have a quiet hotel room rather than 
a household full of chaotic kids with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I, I fully take advantage of that where I you know, pour over the notes again um, the night before and get a good night's rest and then get to the stadium. We'll probably get to the stadium tomorrow. It's a, it's a noon kickoff with it being in the central time zone. So we'll probably get to the stadium about 8.30 or 9.00. And then, um, then it's just again going over notes again and reading and, and organizing last minute, minute things. And I tell you what, 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 what's really an underrated thing for me to do is, you know, I'll, I'll watch film and I'll watch you know game tape of whoever we're playing, and I'm obviously watching to see you know like what they're running and and you know get a good idea of. I'm not really tracking like tendencies or formations and things like that. But from a play-by-play standpoint, I'm just looking to see what guys look like in their uniform. You know, I want to see you know how they stand out. Does a guy have long hair? Does he have you know? Does he wear a a weird style cleat? You know, just things that help me identify players in the game and they catch the ball or make a tackle. And then one of the things I'll do before the game is I watch warmups pretty intently for the same reasons. I just want to see what guys look like, how they move. You know how how they're being used or where they're lining up, things like that. Just any any advantage I can get to identify players quicker and faster for the overall good of the broadcast. So what you're saying is you're not closing down Mall of America tonight. I will not. I will not be at the Mall of America. Maybe, I mean, I might stop over there for a bite to eat because the last time we played there, Kevin, I think you were on that trip. Oh with my us. gosh, I mean, it, was like, it was it was like frightening cold degrees. Yeah, I mean, thank God the mall was connected to the hotel because I didn't want to go outside because it physically hurt to be outside because of how cold it was. And I really like that stadium. I, I think it's one of the more underrated atmospheres in the league. I agree. We were there last year. I think I told the story to John earlier this week. We were there last year in the preseason, and I think it was their first home preseason game, and obviously it was the first you know chance they had to have fans uh, at the stadium post-COVID. Um, it was a Saturday night game, so I think all of that combined made for a really, really raucous crowd. It was loud in there. They they turned the, the PA system up really loud. They've got that skull chant or the, the Viking horn that they play after big plays and or third downs or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a really cool stadium, you know, both from a you know technology standpoint, you know, from an innovation perspective, but also the the crowd there, you know, they're 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 a good fan base. They love their Vikings and uh you know, they're trying to bring home a division championship tomorrow. You know, Matt, if you look at the Vikings, so Minnesota comes in 10-3. and three. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, our guest on the Payless Ziggers Hotline. But two of their three losses have come here in their last four games. The thing about Minnesota, Matt, this team this year, this season's Minnesota Vikings, are more representative of perhaps any team we've seen of just how fickle the NFL can be depending on which way the ball bounces. And that's not to take anything away from them. But if you look at their 10 wins, man, they're not blowing people out. I mean, they just are, are able to hang around and then make plays in the end when they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like if Indianapolis is going to get one, this might be an opportunity for them because, yes, Minnesota is good. I, I don't know that they're great. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think – I think another way to phrase it would be it's just a very winnable game despite they, them having a, a very elite-type record. I mean, if, if the playoffs started today, you know, they would be the two-seed in the NFC. Um, and I think all of those reasons make it a winnable game. You know, I talked with Jeff Saturday about that, you know, yesterday for our, for our pregame show visit. 
know, I, I brought up the same situation to him. It's like, how do you look at this team? Because it's hard to win in this league. I mean, you can't take 10 wins away from this team because it's really difficult to win in the National Football League because of all the parity and you know, every team has great players. But at the end of the day, you know, you look at it and you say, are they good or are they fortunate to, to be, you know, 10 and 3? Because they do have those nine games or those nine wins by, by one score. They're the first team in NFL history to win their first nine one-score games of a season. They have no losses on the year where a game's been decided by one score. Um, So from that standpoint, they are to be commended and celebrated. But also, at the same time, you look at it and you say, these guys are incredibly beatable because offensively, they've got a lot of firepower and they're making enough plays down the stretch or they're just kind of hanging on. But if they do have an Achilles heel, what it could potentially be is their defense. Their defense is just statistically not good. I mean, they're giving up a lot of yards. They're giving up a lot of uh, points. And I think one of the things that stands out to you is that, you know, when you, when you have a good record, but a bad defense, you're like, how can those two things exist in the same Tintons, if you will, but it's their takeaways, their their turnover ability. They have twenty takeaways as a defense. So that's kind of been their saving grace. It's kind of like the Colts last year, where they weren't an elite defense, but their their calling card was their ability to take the football away and make game changing plays in crunch time. And that's what this Vikings team this year has done. I mean, they've given up over four hundred yards on the season on average. They're giving up four hundred yards per game in the last five games. That's a dubious franchise record for them. Uh, they're last in the NFL in passing defense. They've allowed five straight quarterbacks to throw for over 300 yards against them. So you look at the defense and you and you think, well, they got Daniel Hunter and and you know Zadarius Smith and Eric Kendricks, who's a tackling machine, and you know Cameron Dantzler, who was a high draft pick a couple years ago, and then in the back end with Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith, those two guys have combined for. 14 Pro Bowls. How are they, you know, this bad on paper? Well, they don't really have a complicated defense. It's, it's, you know, it's not overly complex. Um, they don't blitz a lot. Um, so they do give up yards. They do give up points at times. But I think their saving grace has been their ability to take the football away and make those game-changing plays in crunch time. And hence, they've hung on to win a lot of one-score games. They have five wins this year by five points or less. So, they are to be celebrated for that, but it does make them beatable, and I don't think they're an elite team when you kind of you know, piece them out and, and really examine how they've gotten here. Matt, do you feel like the Colts locker room has to avoid at this point getting guys on different pages in terms of the way they're looking at finishing the season, meaning you always have invariably and inevitably when a season has gone awry a little bit some guys that are looking to just finish out the year other guys that want to finish strong because they're not sure what their contract status is etc etc is that is there risk of that for the Colts I don't think so because I think those two things go hand in hand I mean guys want to play well for themselves because of you know, like a guy like Bobby Okereke and Paris Campbell and Chase McLaughlin um, you know a lot of these free agents to be, you know, they have different inspirations to play well. I think they want to play well for their team, but they also know that if they just mail it in and don't show up and play 85%, if you will, uh, these last four games, they're not going to get the contract that they want from the Colts 
or 31 other teams. I think it was Zaire Franklin this week, who's not a free agent, but he, he, he summed it up pretty well. He said, you know, like next year in the offseason, if a coach on another team is watching the Colts and they see a defensive lineman or a linebacker just kind of loafing or not you know, pursuing the football and they're not busting their ass every single play – there's going to be no context inside that film room. There's not, there's not going to be anybody saying, well, at this point we were eliminated from the playoffs or we only had four games to go or we were 4-8-1. and one. No, man, like that doesn't exist. Like there's no context to say, you know, that that's acceptable. Um, and so I think what people also realize around the NFL is that if you gave up on your team because you were out of the playoff hunt, what's to say you're not going to give up on my team if I sign you to a free agent deal? So – I think guys want to play hard for themselves, but they also want to play hard for the team because I, I can I cannot stress enough, and you guys know this. Like there's there's nobody inside that locker room that gives a flying you know what about draft picks and moving up for quarterbacks. They just want to play through their contract. That's what they're here to do. And you know this is the National Football League. Nothing's guaranteed, man. Like just because you're under contract for next year doesn't mean you're going to come back with this team, or you're going to be re-signed by another team somewhere else around the NFL with 31 other opportunities. So guys just want to keep capitalizing on this chance to play a kid's game and continue to kind of live out their dreams of being professional football players, no matter what you know the context is around them. You know within the the narrative of the season. Matt, last one for me. Um, you know, when you look on, on paper, there's a couple of matchups that are, are really intriguing tomorrow, and that potentially would be Justin Jefferson against Stephon Gilmore. But it sounds like the Vikings move Jefferson around a lot. The Colts have not really gone full shadow with a guy like Gilmore. So I'm not maybe holding my breath that we're going to see that like every snap. Obviously, we'll see it at, at, at different points. The other one, and this is more just from like a draft history standpoint, would be Christian Darisau, their left tackle, who went one pick after Quiddy Pay. It was either going to be Darisau or Pay for the Colts. But it seems like Yannick Ngakwe will be opposite Darisau at that left tackle spot. Um, nonetheless, I feel like those are a couple storylines that, you know, if you do get the occasion where Quiddy f- flips sides, I don't think he does that very yeah. often, um, and you do get a couple of Gilmore Jefferson reps, um, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think it will be exclusively, you know, Gilmore on Jefferson throughout the remainder of the game because of how creative they are with him, moving uh, him around in the formation, and I talked with Jeff Saturday about that this week as well. You know, they they do a really good job. They're cognizant of making sure that Jefferson can run every route of every play from every position or lining up in, in every part of the formation on every play because they want to get him on different people at different times of the game. And Jeff said, you know, go back going back and watching that Detroit game when he went for two twenty three, which was a franchise record in that loss. I mean, Detroit did everything that they're supposed to do. They're they're doubling him, they're rolling coverage, they got their best players on him, and he still rolls up two twenty three and was a you know big reason why they were in that game and, and, and fell uh, ultimately. But um, you know, he's he's amazing to me. I mean I, I mean I know that he is He, he might be the best in, player in the NFL. I mean, he really is. That, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, he's in, only in his third year, and he's already over 1,500 yards this year. He holds the NFL record for receiving yards by a player in their first three years in the league. I mean, that's incredible to me. He's got over 4,500 yards already, and he's not even through three years. I mean, he could break the NFL's all-time uh, receiving um, record for yards in a season this year. I mean, he's, he's on pace to flirt with it, so... 
he really is incredible. And so, yeah, you're going to see Gilmore on him, but I think with the way that the Vikings use him and they're, you know, again, cognizant of, of where they're lining him up, that you can't afford to have one player. They're going to make sure one player is not going to be lined up on him all game long. And also, too, the storyline with, within that is, you're probably not going to have Brandon facing tomorrow. He's doubtful. Kenny Moore is not going to play. So you're going to have some different pieces in the Colts secondary that's going to have to do a good job of limiting his damage. Um, and then with Quiddy Pay, yeah, that's an interesting storyline too because we forget Quiddy, he missed five games this year with that ankle. He's been in and out of the lineup, but he's already, he already has a career-high five sacks. And obviously – you know, you you sort of do the the you wonder what that could be or what the potential there could be for him the remainder of the season if he's fully healthy or what his numbers would be like if he didn't miss those games. But I think in a lot of ways this year with quarterback hurries and quarterback pressures, he's really taken a nice step from year one to year number two. And I think we fall into the trap, and I'm guilty of it too, of just looking at the sack numbers and saying, well, he didn't reach double digit sacks, so therefore it's not a good year from a defense defensive end edge pressure guy so um i think he has had some impactful moments but uh he's really kind of looking to come on these last four games and finish out strong now that he's healthy now that he's back in the lineup he's already having a career year as far as sacks are concerned um, i would love to see him lined up on christian darisol to kind of see where he is in terms of development with a guy as you said drafted in the first round one pick after him um to see how he's lining up against uh some of these young defensive ends or excuse me uh, offensive tackles that he's going to see you know for the next hopefully seven or eight years in the nfl matt taylor will be on the call along with joe wrights who'll be filling in for rick venturi who is uh nursing back uh feeling a little bit better obviously but not going to make the trip to minnesota so joe wrights matt taylor on the call one o'clock tomorrow again not on sunday colts and vikings matt enjoy the trip stay warm in minnesota all right I appreciate you guys. We'll do. Thanks, man. Uh, Thad Mata, the head coach of the Butler Bulldogs, is going to join us just about 10 minutes from now when we come back real quick as well. Uh, Adam Silver. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And some time in Indianapolis. We'll find out what the NBA commissioner was doing when Danny Lopez of the Pacers joins us next. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, The Fan. Good old Andy Williams. Classic right here. I think he's from Iowa. I'm not certain, but I think that's correct. And probably a fitting song for our next topic, right? That is correct, because I was curious. Danny Lopez joins us right now. On the Payless Liquors hotline, he, of course, the Vice President of External Affairs and Corporate Communications for the Pacers. And I was curious as to, it's not often that the, you know, the NBA commissioners just hanging out, checking out games. Obviously, he goes around, Adam Silver does, to different arenas. Um but Danny, it was pretty cool to me because I think he took in more than one game did Adam Silver. And then I found out that there was kind of more to a backstory. And I thought, Let, let's find out what's going on here. So uh, school me, as the kids say, if you could, on what led the NBA brass to be here in Indianapolis over the last week. What's up, guys? Thanks for thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I love the lead in music, although I would say uh, it's. The only thing I know about Iowa is that their corn sucks. So that's, that's what I've been told. Uh, Blast for right. me right there, Danny. <laughs> so we did have Commissioner Silver here, and it's always good to have him. He loves coming here. You know, Herb is um, Herb Simon is the 
the uh, longest tenured owner in the league. And so those guys are close. And, you know, I was talking to his guys while he was here, and he was just saying, you know, they love, love coming here and always get the thrill out of being in this building, and it's just a different kind of environment. You know, he's been coming uh, certainly for the last several years, and, and one of the reasons he comes is because we do this big toy distribution deal each Christmas. And it, it really is uh, – an incredible partnership. It's something that was created because Herb um, has a longstanding friendship with a guy out in California, a guy named Stephen Berman, who is the co-founder and uh, and the president and CEO of Jack's Pacific Toys, which is a publicly traded toy company. And uh, and Stephen just one year, as they were talking with Herb, said, "How do we do something for the kids in Indiana?" Um, and we've got toys that we're willing to distribute if you all have a network of nonprofits that you can work through. And so for the last 13 years, we've been doing that. And it's just, I mean, guys, you know, we, we do in the Colts do and the 11 do all the teams around here. The Indians certainly do a ton for the community, but this is one where we just love doing it because you get to see the kids faces up close. And a lot of these kids are kids that are just not going to get other toys for the holidays. You just know it. And, and so it's, it's, it's great for the parents, the families. It's awesome for the kids. We take the alum alums out to different cities around the state. We did, I think we did 1200 miles this year, just driving around distributing toys. Um, and then, you know, Eddie white gets out and it, it's just a fun, fun time for everybody. And we celebrate it at, at one of the games in December. And so then the commissioner comes out to celebrate with us. Do you think of Eddie as more Santa or elf? Yeah, he's a he's a, he's an L. He's a walking mascot. He's a, he's a human, human mascot. The mascot of Indianapolis, Eddie White. Right, and they is. um, th- this partnership has included some efforts in Ukraine as well. Obviously, more on the on the food front. Am I correct on that? Yeah. So that's what's really cool about it too is that and and this is all. I mean, so certainly it's it's our team that that executes it and our team that now at this point has driven it. But I want to be clear, like this is. So much of this is because Stephen Berman says has always said whatever we can do all the time. So this, we've done some really neat stuff that's sort of outside the scope of this. So when when the tornado struck Henryville in 2012 down in Clark County, he was the first one. He said, "Hey, let's do a Christmas in July." So they brought thousands of toys down here. And each each year, by the way, we do about thirty to forty thousand toys. So it's not a small effort. It's it's a big, big effort. It's a lot of toys that get distributed. And in 2017, when the hurricanes hit in Orlando and Houston, Miami, uh, Berman said, hey, let's work with those owners and those organizations and do distributions in their cities. So we did that, too. This year, what he wanted to do was something in the U- in the Ukraine. And so we started talking about what that could look like. And we're, we're fortunate here, the Pacers, that we've got Jim Morris as our vice chairman. Of course, he, he ran the World Food Program for, for five years. So working through our network there, uh, we connected with the World Food Program in Ukraine and, and put them together with Jack's Pacific, and we did a, a distribution of toys out there. But but then he also leveraged the board that he's on, so we got clothes out there, we got food out there, and the footage is just incredible. When you see these kids in these hospitals or these orphanages, they're all refugee kids within the Ukraine that's obviously ravaged now by war. Um, and it's just an incredible, incredible thing. So that's one of the things we did this year that's a, that's a little bit different. And uh, But he has never said no, and it's really an awesome, awesome thing. Pacers back in action. Of course, 
tonight in Cleveland, or is it tonight? Yep, uh, tonight, 7.30. Tonight tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, Sunday, 5 o'clock against the Knicks is what I was getting at, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So a chance for people to come down and see the new renovations, which I know Danny is proud of the work that they've done there. But Danny, um, listen, man, great connection towards helping out the kids. And I wondered why Silver was here, but that's a pretty good celebration. Yeah. And and uh, we certainly appreciate it, not only um, for the work that you did in, in kind of renovating the Fieldhouse, but also in helping brighten some kids christmas uh great initiative and certainly appreciate you explaining it this morning yeah i, I appreciate it guys and remember that all-star voting opens up on december 20th so people can good fans can go to, to uh, nba.com and get their nba ids and make sure they vote for for our guys for benedict and for tyrese we've got we've got an exciting team this year and of course we've got the indie classic we've got the number one team in the country coming in here tomorrow to play and there's still tickets available so if, if folks want to come out to the indie classic uh, make sure you go on the game bridge uh, Fieldhouse website and and get your tickets Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Yep, Tyrese Alburn should be a lock for the All-Star certainly All-Star game, certainly with how he has played this season. Busy weekend of hoops here in Indy, not only over Gamebridge, but tomorrow night, Hinkle Fieldhouse, a big one for Thad Mata and the Bulldogs. We'll talk with Thad next about hosting undefeated UConn. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's a big one tomorrow night inside of Hinkle Fieldhouse. The undefeated UConn Huskies come to town to open up the Big East slate for Butler. UConn 11-0 on the year. They have not had a single game in single digits yet. They've been extremely impressive early in the season. So quite the test for Thad Mata's bunch. Definitely is playing a little bit better basketball as of late and seems to be getting healthier as well. The head coach of the Bulldogs joins us now. Morning, Coach. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing well. Um, just your early thoughts on what you've seen from UConn. Again, they've been very impressive. Double digits in all these wins. Uh, and certainly... Um, one of the surprises, I think, this season and how uh, good they've been. Well, you know, they, they definitely are a, a really, really good basketball team. I mean, they've got uh, – it seems like just uh, all the pieces fit together for them in terms of they got size, they've got shooting, they've got, uh, you know, really, really good guard play. And, um, you know, and they're, they're very tough physical defensively. And, uh, you know, heck, heck of a matchup for us tomorrow. There's, there's no question about that. It's kind of like a, a – you know, early I think the early seasons helped us um, in some of the teams that we played, and and you know, like I said, hopefully we're we're ready to uh, go out and compete for forty minutes. You know, it's interesting to me, coach, that when you you get into league play now, obviously with Connecticut and in, into the Big East, so you're now seeing teams that probably know your tendencies, know what you do, and vice versa, more so. Does the approach in terms of game preparation change? to set your team up and get ready for league play and the grind of it versus playing teams from all over the place in the pre-conference? You know, it, it really doesn't. And, and I say that from the standpoint of, you know, we are who we are. And, and we've got to prepare our guys for what we're what we need to do well and, and how we need to do it. Um I think, you know, when, when you get into the second round and you're playing, you know, UConn for the second time, you know, at that point, there there really becomes not very many secrets. Um, but, you know, from, from the standpoint of, of our approach to the game, it's it's very similar in terms of, of all the games we've had thus far. And, um, 
you know, to, to me, it's about getting our guys ready to play and execute the game plan of, of what we need to do to win the game. You know, it's funny. I always think back, Coach. Stadmott is our guest, by the way, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I think back to the movie Hoosiers when Gene Hackman, Norman Dale, is like talking to the fans. And he says, you know, I, the boys and I have gotten to get to know each other here. And we're still kind of feeling things out. And da, 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 da. And any time a guy is, you know, you're back into a new situation. How long does it take to kind of get to know your guys? And by that, you know what I mean by that. I mean, know everything about what makes them work. You know, it's funny because I, I've said this. I It seems like each day we're still learning more and more about these guys. Um, you know, from how do they respond after a loss to how do they respond after a win. Um, you know, uh, how does a guy do after a bad game, after a good game. Um, you know, it's just there's there's so many dynamics that people don't understand to, uh, to coaching. And, you know, I think... Uh, the, the longer you're in a program, you've got sustainability, that sort of thing, and, and you know your guys. Um, it, it does make it a little bit easier. But I also say this: that's kind of the fun part of getting to know these guys. I mean, when, when I say we've got a great group of guys, I mean, uh, I haven't had too many teams like this. It's just uh, they're, they're fun to be around. They, they work hard. They, uh, you know, we go from the film room to the court. They go out. They execute, and and uh, and that's that's made you know our job as coaches a lot easier this year you know for people that are listening coach that just in everyday life you know whether it's somebody who's listening that's an architect or a lawyer or a teacher whatever it might be you clearly are a leader i mean you're a coach you've done it for a long time can you give me an example of the different ways to manage people and how to navigate through figuring out how different people respond to different circumstances. Aside from just having them go out and play a basketball game, give me an example of how you can read someone to then know how they best will respond to the way that you can teach them. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because all those people out there listening, the, the teachers, the architect, all that, I, I've always said this, we all play the same game, we just wear different uniforms. Um, you know, it's, it's motivating people. But I, I think, you know, an, an example would be, uh, um, you know, a kid who, who has, a, has a bad practice. And you sit down and you talk to them afterwards and you say, hey, you know, this is this is what you didn't do well. Here's what we need. And, and you know, the, the next day he comes in, he's got fire in his eyes, and, and, and he's really trying to take to heart. And at that point you say, okay, this kid's coachable. This kid, he wants to be a basketball player. Um, you know, I, I think another example, is, and, and I saw this in the Cal game Saturday. Um, you know, one of our guys came off the bench and made a, a heck of a play. And, you know, there were three guys that had been playing literally 40 minutes a game and they fired off the bench and, and, and were cheering for that guy. And, you know, I, it, when, when you see that during the game, you see it on the tape on a flight home, you're saying like, you know what, those guys are good teammates, man. I, I can win with these guys. And, and those would be a couple of examples, I think, of just, uh, you know, sort of watching, watching everything come to fruition. Tomorrow night, again, it'll be Thad Mata's Bulldogs hosting the undefeated UConn Huskies over at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Coach, you've had a pretty short rotation here early in the season. I assume health has played a part in that. Um, I guess has it played a part in that? And are you guys getting a little bit healthier here as conference season unfolds? Yeah, it uh, uh, health definitely played a, a factor in our, our short rotation. Um 
you know, I, 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 we are getting healthier. We, we actually, believe this or not, um, we've, we've practiced the last two days. We haven't been able to practice for a month um, because of, of numbers and, and the thing is we can't get anybody hurt. You know, we want to we want to win the war, not the battle. And, um, and 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 the guys have been tremendous. But uh, you know, we were we had twelve or thirteen guys um, practicing yesterday, and and for a couple of them, it was the first time they've been out there. So um, you guys know how it is. I know you both are stellar athletes. If you haven't done anything, mm-hmm. that's for, right. Sure, that's right. If you haven't you haven't done anything for five months. Um, just don't go out there and flip the switch. So you know we got we got to get some guys back in the fold and, and get them reps and, and get them in uh, as close to game shape as we possibly can. But that that just doesn't happen overnight. And um, but it, it did it did feel good to um, to be able to give uh, Eric Hunter or Manny Bates a little rest in practice. I think I peaked as an athlete for Joel Cornett and Thomas Jackson at Butler basketball camp. Actually, back in the day, it was if I take two charges, can I go get fun dip at halftime from the um, from the snack bar? Uh, again, Thad Motto with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, I'm a big Notre Dame basketball fan, so I watched Notre Dame in the ACC, and when I saw Manny Bates' name pop up on your guys' radar, I'm thinking, oh boy, that's a good player, and that's kind of a body type that Butler, I, I'm not used to them having. What has Manny Bates meant to you guys, um, especially given just kind of the lack of health you've had in the front court? Yeah, well, you know, Manny, it's it's funny because knock on wood, and I am right now. He's been he's been healthy for us this year, and um, you know, I, I I look at a guy like Manny, and and you know, number one, he's he's a college graduate. Uh, he's a very very mature kid, and and he's one of those guys that he, he's came to Butler University, and he's got something to prove. You know, things didn't go um, maybe as well as he wanted it to at NC State with all his. But he's also been a great teammate, a great leader for us. And um, you know, when I recruited him, I, I told him, I said, "Manny, I, you know, nobody's followed Butler basketball closer than I have, and, and Butler hasn't had one like you." And um, you know, just from his shot blocking and you know finishing around the rim, and he's able to step out and knock down jump shots. Uh, could not be happier with, with what Manny's given us thus far. You are eight and three right now, Coach Thadmata and the Butler Bulldogs. You mentioned NC State; that was one of the three losses, but. In those 11 games, in which game did you learn the most about your team? Oh, boy. I tell you, that, that's a, a tough, tough question. Um, because I, I, I learned um, I've, I've learned something every game, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing, and, and we've talked with our guys about this, um, you know, we, we've, we've shown that we can uh, – I, I, Gotta be careful by how I say this, uh, but we, we've learned that we can throw a punch. At the beginning, we, we really couldn't take one, and um, I think that was what the beauty of going to the Bahamas. Um, you know, we, we we learned that we weren't uh, as strong as we needed to be through adversity, and and um, you know, thirty six, thirty four, with thirteen minutes going second half against Tennessee, we had three turnovers in a row. Um, you know, just just things like that. I, I think that's the the biggest thing. And as you go into league play, I mean, we're playing a top five team in the country tomorrow night. Like, you you better be able to take a punch and and you know retaliate. Uh, and, and and when I say punch, I mean uh, you know things don't go well, but you you still execute defensively. You're not making shots, but you're still getting stops. You know, things like that is 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 what I'm I'm learning about this team. We're getting better at it. I'm- He's dropping. 
that again. I think, Coach, I could be wrong in this. Thad Mott is our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars hotline. Again, Butler in Connecticut this weekend. Uh, this is, I believe, your 19th season as a head coach. So I'm curious, in your opinion, have you been 19 different head coaches? Do you have to change the way you coach every year? <laughs> you do. I, I, I think so. I, I think that's one thing that I've always done. You know, there's there's certain guys out there that, hey, it's, it's this way. And we're going to do this regardless because it's how I do it. And 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 I've really tried to alter um, throughout my approach. And you know, even back early on at Ohio State, I mean, we were the king of one and dones back then. You know, we were we were losing guys every year to the NBA, and we and we were constantly adjusting. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. This is uh, the team that that we've coached as far was not the team I thought we were going to have. of all the injuries that we've had I thought it was going to be a different team and and uh but I I will say this I don't know if I've ever been happier as a coach of a group of guys that have have bought into what we've, we've asked them to do and and sort of change positions and, and that sort of thing and uh we, we got to keep building it there's no question about that Coach, last one for me, and again, Thad Mata with us here, Butler and UConn tomorrow night over at Hinkle. You know, this Saturday in December, we're, we're used to here locally the Crossroads Classic. That, that's kind of been the the mainstay here in this December 16th calendar range over yeah. the years. Uh, obviously, it's no longer. Purdue will be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse tomorrow. It seemed like Butler had some interest in the Crossroads Classic continuing. Butler had great success, frankly, in the Crossroads Classic. Do you foresee opportunities? And I know a lot of it is probably out of your control, down the road to play Indiana and or Purdue, whether it's home and homes or on a neutral floor? Coach, you there? Hello. I think uh, he was in and out a few times throughout Went the year. Went through a tunnel. There, so I'd like to know if, on that front. I'd like to know if Quinn Buckner is going to buy him dinner if he beats Connecticut. I, I was kind of looking forward to the answer to that question I threw out. <laughs> it's the best too. question you had. Right? <laughs> I know. I felt like that was that was one of my good ones. Try him again. Coach, we, uh, we, we, we lost you there. Uh, Indiana-Purdue, could you foresee that on the schedule in the future? I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't talked to, to Scott or Mike about that. Um up Arizona, Kansas, play Kansas tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I think we'll just let games. And um, so it's just uh, definitely a, a different thing, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what we can do with it. Well, Coach, good luck tomorrow night. Again, I know that I think there are a few tickets still available, so for those looking for something to do tomorrow night, some Hinkle magic could be happening over there on 49th Street. So good luck tomorrow, Coach, and thanks as always. All right, guys. Thank you, man. Bad motto right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. I think the goal is you hope UConn shoots like Coach's phone maybe there late That's in the right. interview. That's right. I um, What do we say of the unbeatens left? You got Connecticut. You got Virginia. You got Mississippi State. Uh, I think there were seven or eight teams, Purdue. right? Purdue, obviously. Um, trying to think who who were missing. There was another one up top that was obvious, but Houston lost, right, to Alabama. Houston did lose. I, I just always, and it's not because it's. I mean, when I was a kid, it was because it was Indiana. You know, I was always there are three things that, for whatever reason, I've always I've always followed and enjoyed following into my adulthood and about sports. One is the last college unbeaten in basketball. 
Um, obviously, you know, Kentucky and Gonzaga making a strong run with different teams in the last 10 years. One is the Heisman Trophy. I've always been fascinated by the Heisman, and the other is the Kentucky Derby. Those three things. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Didn't realize you were a big Derby guy. I, I, no matter where I am, I always stop to watch the Kentucky yeah. Derby. I yeah, actually uh, pulled out the phone at a wedding this year to dial up the uh, dial up the I Derby. I think part of what makes the Derby special, if you're from Indianapolis, and I think people in Louisville, I've always liked this. When I was in high school, some of my buddies went to Hanover um, when we you know went to college, and at Hanover College, literally like half the school went to is from Indianapolis, and half the school is from Louisville. So I became buddies with a lot of people from Louisville, and then a lot of my buddies moved to Louisville after we got out of college, and. I do think that people that are that are native of Louisville and people that are native of Indianapolis do have a mutual understanding and respect as to what the Derby and the 500 respectively mean to the to the groups. You know what I mean? Like I get for people that live in Louisville and were born and raised there and, and you know you got the Oaks the day before and then Derby weekend I get what it means to those folks because having grown up here, I know what the 500 means to the culture here and back home again. And then my old Kentucky home, you know, all of it coming together. I just have a great respect for it. I just think it's a cool event. Hey, you know, kind of the question I was you know, asking Thad Mata there at the end about you know, playing Indiana and or Purdue in, in the future. I am a little bummed, Jake, on this Friday that there is no Crossroads Classic tomorrow it was a, an event i always looked forward to totally. um i thought it was a really fun event and bringing you know the four fan bases certainly you had more prominent ones than others not a lot of Notre Dame basketball fans in the building for the crossroads classic but always enjoyed that double header um and again i fully understand why indiana and notre dame in particular wanted to back out and we played the matt painter clip a little bit earlier you know i don't think it's a guarantee that necessarily purdue is going to be in gamebridge field house on an annual basis like they are um Tomorrow evening, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that continues. And, you know, Indiana is playing a game tomorrow that's awesome for college basketball. I mean, you're getting two historic programs on campus venues, very prominent. This is why, you know, you say to these kids in college sports, hey, you're going to play in these atmospheres that you will never be able to replicate in the NBA. Right. And I think that's really, really cool. And so I hope for tomorrow now, it's a great game at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, Kansas is not in session, though. Their students are home. So I don't know if that's oh, really? advantage Indiana. Yeah, I think their students are gone. You'd think enough live within driving distance to be in the building, right? Yeah, I mean... Although 11 a.m. local time, that's, that's I mean, early. Certainly, KU is to... Lawrence is to Kansas City as Bloomington is to Indianapolis from a time standpoint, you know, 55 minutes away. Um, but, you know, Kansas is such a big state, man. I mean, you, I had classmates from literally, you know six seven hours away that were kansas in-state students because it's just a massive state and you know you get into western kansas middle of nowhere you know i had a guy a buddy of mine when i was at ku uh sean hoog was his name was from emporia kansas and we were in emporia kansas small town middle of nowhere and we passed i might have told you guys this we passed this mammoth house biggest house i've ever seen and i'm like holy cow man like this is in emporia kansas who lives there and he goes, well, you know those like things when, and of course now these are totally passe. But before cars had consoles with cup holders in them, there were little plastic things you could buy at the gas station that were that you would hook on the inside of your door well, like in the window sill of your car for your can of Coke. 
the dude that invented them was from Emporia, Kansas and made like $20 million. Look at that. Bought some massive house. And then here's my other Kansas fun fact for you guys. Hutchinson, Kansas had underground salt mines. Got a great JUCO program, don't they? Hutch, yeah, Hutch Junior College, yeah. And uh, the whole state of Kansas had a bunch of junior colleges. But um, underground in Hutchinson, Kansas, are salt mines that creates a certain salt-like humidity in the air that perfectly preserves film. And all of the original film, like Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz and all the classic Citizen Kane, all of the classic films from Hollywood back of yesteryear are stored in vaults underneath Hutchinson, Kansas. There's Look at your, that. There's your fun fact of the day. Now, well, it would it as, be fair to say you, you didn't learn... You didn't learn much in Lawrence, but at least That's, at least you learned that. That we just exhausted every single bit of information that my brain was able to process at the University of Kansas in the nineteen ninety two school year. That is correct. Mike Woodson said yesterday that Jalen Hood Shafino would practice. They're Big gonna test for Indiana. Out that back, get him used to some contact, see how he responds. So at least a chance that Indiana could have him back. Uh and it goes without saying how important his presence is after what happened. You know, not only at Rutgers, but uh, in Vegas as well. So big one for Indiana tomorrow. Again, a noon tip time from Allen Fieldhouse. All right, Freebie Friday on the Pop Quiz is coming up. Again, a pair. This is our final pair, right? Mark, final uh, pair. For of this game, yeah. Ball State, Georgia Southern tickets for Wednesday chirp, at Warren Arena. Speaking of Ball State, they'll be the leadoff tomorrow over Gainbridge Fieldhouse against Illinois State. I think that's a 3.30 tip there. So, um, like we've done all week long, that will be the giveaway on the Pop Quiz and a Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way on this freebie Friday. Uh, let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. In the association tonight, the Indiana Pacers in Cleveland taking on the Cavaliers. They're back at the Fieldhouse on Sunday for a 5 o'clock tip against the New York Knicks. Winners last night, just four games in the NBA. Miami over Houston, 111-108. It was Memphis all over Milwaukee, 142-101. The Pelicans beaten by the Jazz, 132-129. Jordan Clarkson, by the way, 39 in that game. And Phoenix over the Clippers, 111-95. A three-game win streak snapped for the Clips. Again, this will be the first time the Pacers have played one of the best teams in the East this season. Cleveland currently third place, a a 7.5-point favorite over Indiana. Jake, last night, Thursday night football, the 49ers continue to impress. That is seven straight. Brock Purdy gets another win filling in for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's filling in for Trey Lance. No Debo Samuel, but Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle uh, were outstanding. 21-13, they beat the Seattle Seahawks. So I've said throughout the show, uh, San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans needs to be on the interview list for the Colts here at the end of the season. And right now, it seems like a San Francisco team that is rising and a Seattle team that is faltering. You're not kidding about that. Uh, World Cup final is set. That game is going to be played when? Is it game or match? Which do we say? Sunday morning on the pitch, 10 a.m. start time. We've got the third place game tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Croatia and Morocco. Who are you you going with? You give those picks at the end of the show along with I think I'm going for MAR, right? How about this? That's the French... Three-letter abbreviation that FIFA uses for Morocco? Over, under of total goals scored in these two matches. I'll put it at three and a half. Which one are you taking? Over, under? You got to cheer for goals. Over. I'll go over. But that's a great, I think that's a great over, under. That is a pretty tough one, isn't it? France, Argentina, you care? 
Uh, I'm going with France. I've been to France. I've not been to Argentina. I think yesterday you I want said the Argentina. defending champs. Yeah, why not? Sure. I'll go with Argentina. French people were nice when I was there. I thought they were nice. Let's give uh, give Messi the World Cup there to kind of round out an incredible career. Uh, Colts news as they get ready again for the Vikings one o'clock tomorrow. No Kenny Moore. No Mike Strawn. Brandon Face on another corner. Uh, seems unlikely he's going to play. He's been out all week due to illness. So. Um, banged up cornerback group facing Justin Jefferson. That spread, though, is hovered kind of right around four. Mark said he saw it at three and a half. Vikings favored heading into tomorrow, so we'll round out the show it, with our picks. If it was going to ha- ever, excuse me, if it was ever going to happen for Mike Strawn, it would have happened by now, right? You know, it's still year two for him. Um, but I would say it's been a disappointing second season. Yeah, I mean, you'd throw Desmond Patman into that group. I feel like he. One showed out in training camp and then that's like the Correct. last we've heard of him the Drew Haddad all-star mm-hmm. yes he uh you know yeah his best game arguably was probably the first game of his career yeah and then nothing nothing from him uh pretty manageable pop quiz by the way really I think those so. are fighting words boy nothing says Scotty well it's a freebie Friday anyway but nothing is just slapping the face at Scotty like I'm Jake saying a manageable pop quiz well Scotty's uh decked out in all Cincinnati Reds gear here so there's got to be something related to the pop quiz that equates to a win you know Scotty I mean? looks like the free agent that the Reds have signed oh wait they've signed nobody so <laughs> no good one Mark yeah four and five I think those are difficult ones Jake well, certainly some hints can be done. Uh, you just hope on number four that somebody gets the right answer. Freebie Friday coming up here on the Pop Quiz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Jake, when's the last time you've been to the Vogue? I love the Vogue. Um, I went and saw Colin Hay at the Vogue last spring. And then I saw the Bodines there probably a year and a half ago. Wife had her Christmas party there last night. It's a great venue. It's great. Great venue. Scott Craigie has done a great job with it. They also, the Ruins, which is, you know, they're in, um, I always forget, is it Holiday Park or Marat Park? It's Holiday Park yeah, in Springville, uh-huh. right? That's the same the same folks, the same outfit. Um, started doing stuff at the Ruins, which is a fabulous venue as well. But the Vogue is super cool. Is it? Eric Tobias that now owns the Vogue? Does that sound right? Well, there's a group, I think. Craigie's par- group part of, of it. And I think Tobias, too. There's like four, I think. Yeah. That yeah, was a fun time last night at the Vogue. Um, all right. It is Freebie Friday for the Pop Quiz. Jake, number one through eight as we give away our final pair of Ball State Georgia Southern tickets along with that Jiffy Lube oil change. Uh, we're within, what is today's date? 16th. I was going to say we're within, so it's nine Christmas, well, eight. Eight shopping days left, so we'll go with eight. Oh, you can shop on the 25th. I have shopped before on the 25th. Really? Oh, yeah. Where? 
Well, CBS and Walgreens have some great and great buys. <laughs> wow. That time of year. Okay. Got a great deal Wait, on this like, ibuprofen here. I mean, it's not like Santa well, can like be it, Johnny. What about, like Santa like can be everywhere by 1205? What about mayonnaise? Do they have mayonnaise more? Oh, they got plenty of mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, peanut butter M&M's, two for 350 <laughs> Talk about a I great stock. smell like style. an egg salad sandwich, but it really, really works. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> what number did you go with? Eight. Jeremy. Oh, he spoke in class today. Oh, Jeremy just left. That was awkward. Jeremy didn't didn't like the mail conversation. (laughs) Pick another number. Uh, Let's cut it in half. Four. Okay. Shane. What's up, Shane? Not much, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Shane, do you like your name? I like it. I I do. We've had this conversation before about Alan Ladd, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Shane, are you a Ball State fan, or are you just trying to test your knowledge today? Oh, just trying to test knowledge, but uh, I love basketball, so being able to see the Cardinals would be be nice and uh, see Michael Lewis up close. There you go. They got a lot of Indiana flavor on that roster, which I've always uh, enjoyed about Ball State. Well, you were yeah, definitely sure. on your way to do that because that comes with the freebie Friday. Of course, everybody was getting tickets this week for Ball State. Uh, Wor- have you, Shane, have you been to Worthen Arena? Um, yes. Uh, several years. One of my former players, uh, Zach Fields, uh, played at Ball State. Oh, yeah. Was that um, – for some reason, I'm picturing HSC, but I think that's wrong. And then maybe that was Zach Gunn. I'm yeah, that's of. Zach Gunn, yeah. yeah. Where, where Fields was Fields was, from? Uh, from Jennings County. That's right. Big dude. Yeah, about 6'11". That's that's North Vernon, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Did he play at IEPUI, or am I imagining more things? No, he was at Ball State. Ball State. Actually, ended up being yeah, a, a pretty good fly fisherman. Wow. Really? Boy. Okay. Probably the tallest on tour, would be my guess. Talk about intimidating there. The fish would just, I don't know if they'd gravitate towards that. I've always wondered, is it called fly fishing because of the way that you have to to fly the cast or because you are actually simulating a fly on the water to get the fish? Uh, Good question. Do we know that? Do you know, Kevin? These are the kind of things that keep me awake at night. Can't say I do and can't say I'll put too much thought into that here after the show. Here we go, Shane. Question number one for you. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Tomorrow up... In the land of the Norse, it's going to be the Colts of the Vikings. One o'clock kick in Minnesota. Who leads the all-time series? They've played 26 times. There has been a tie, I will tell you that. But between the Colts and the Vikings, who leads the all-time series? Uh, and the Colts. Okay. Colts won their last matchup there. That was a nice win the Colts got uh, inside of that building. All right, number two, uh, who's the Vikings head coach? Kevin O'Connell, Mike Zimmer, Dennis Allen, or Todd Bowles? Kevin O'Connell. Okay. It's kind of a layup, Scotty. Question number three. Who currently leads the NFL in sacks? Is it Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, or Matthew Judon? Uh, I didn't get to see San Francisco's last game, so I will... uh, I'm going to say Judon. Okay. Number four, it's not yet Christmas, and Memphis's John Moran has tied the Grizzlies franchise record for most triple-doubles in a season. Last night, as he picked up number three in a Memphis win over the Bucks, Whose record of three triple-doubles in a season by a Grizzlies player did he tie? Pau Gasol, DeLon Wright, Mark Gasol, or Sharif Abdul-Rahim? Um, I'll go with Sharif. All right, lastly, Shane. 
Happy 60th birthday to William the Refrigerator Perry, who played collegially Kevin at Auburn. Mark Clemson. Thank you, Clemson. Yes, the 300-pound defensive lineman <laughs> scored a touchdown in the Bears' 46-10 shellacking of the Patriots in Super Bowl 20. Who scored the first touchdown in Super Bowl 20? Was it in fact the fridge? Was it Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, or Matt Suey? Um, Matt Suey. I'd love to see the fridge just roll down that hill at a Clemson football game. Can we make that happen? <laughs> he might have back in the day, right? And then, 300 pounds these days do you know isn't, what, isn't much. And then Pet the Rock. Do you know what Matt Suey's nickname was? No. Hideki. <laughs> Shane might be my favorite. In my favorite. opinion, that's I heard, I heard Shane did not laugh guess. at all. Scotty has disappeared. Scotty is underneath the desk. That literally might be the worst one you've ever had. I, that was really bad. I was like, I don't think he had one. I wish I would have given Shane more hints for the fact that he didn't laugh at that one. I, I wish I would have known that. and uh, could have been. His phone dropped temporarily. He was on Thad Mata's phone. Shane, are you there? I am. Thank you. That was good, wasn't it, Shane? Were you not thinking to yourself, Shane? Were you not thinking to yourself, no, that's brilliant. Isn't that what you thought right then? I, exactly. Shane. I, I was at a loss for words. I was I was so impressed. <laughs> Shane, if we feed the ego anymore, it'll be the size of this tree here on Monument Circle. You're just like, just give me the damn tickets. <laughs> yeah, literally. All right, uh, uh, Colts Vikings, small afternoon. Shane, you were all over this one. They do lead the season series. Let's go! 18-7-1 are the Colts. The Vikings head coach is, in fact, Kevin O'Connell, yeah, so two for two. Uh, how many sacks for this guy last night? He had at least one. Uh, Matthew Judon, unfortunately, is second on the sack list currently in the NFL. Nick Bosa with 15 and a half leads the league. You blew it! Come on now. A little harsh. You don't get to that come is, back that tomorrow. That is a joke. You don't even get home. I yeah, thought it was pretty good. Home game. You're a complete loser. Now, DeLon Wright for number four. And the number five obviously was Matsui, but you knew it wasn't Walter Payton because in a career at Mark Dykton, you can answer this better than I perhaps because you grew up a Bears fan and in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But Mike Dick, a beloved in Chicago, but if there is one demerit against him, it's that he did not get Walter Payton a touchdown. He said in that that's Super his Bowl. biggest regret in his coaching career. Yeah. He said if he would have known, he would have done it. Isn't that kind of like a nice problem to have? Yeah, it is. Hang in there, Shane. The guy's a winner. Yeah, I, I would agree with that on Shane. What, what's interesting about right, the fridge. I mean, that was so, he was such an anomaly back then, and he was so larger than life and everything else. And I mean, he was a phenomenon, quite frankly. But Kevin, I, you know, a three hundred pound mobile defensive tackle today is like the norm, right? That's Grover Stewart. Yeah, I mean, yeah. back back then it was like totally unheard of and unseen. And I think it's a position that continues to rise in how the NFL looks at it, values it. Again, interior pressure from a pocket standpoint. I, I think financially you're going to see that position get paid. And that's a credit, again, to Grover Stewart, who got paid a couple years ago, and his play has only ascended since then. All right, we'll close out the show, and we will give out some picks here for the weekend. Kevin Aquaria, one final time. Big plans for the weekend? We are doing uh, shout out to uh, Pat Sullivan and Sullivan Hardware. We're doing the Sullivan Train this evening. Always a fun Christmas event for our family. So really looking forward to that. It's an outstanding time for those that have not taken part in it. Uh, tomorrow, some Colts action. 
it's kind of awkward the one o'clock kick on a Saturday. I know. You know the, and I'm sure Regent Brian will be all over me on this, um, because I won't be seeing the game live. How dare you? What do you got on the agenda tomorrow? Well, my family, my parents have bought, I mean, it's kind of a tradition for our family. We go to the Yuletide every year. right? Here oh, yeah, we're doing that Sunday evening. Circle. So my parents had originally, my, my dad in particular loves watching Colts games. I mean, loves it. So when he bought tickets you know, a month ago or whatever, he bought them for Saturday. Thinking one o'clock Sunday, the, he bought him for the matinee on Saturday. Thinking the Colts to play because that was Sunday, the, yeah. that was also between my nieces and nephew. You know, it was the time that the one time that we could kind of coordinate where everybody was available. So we bought him for, or he bought them for tomorrow at I think twelve thirty or one o'clock or whatever. And it's like, well, thinking, there's no way they're going to put the Colts on national right. TV again. You right. know, it, it's funny. That's the second year in a row, Jake. The Colts have had this Saturday game. Remember last year it was Colts Patriots. Yeah. That was after the Crossroads Classic. Last year, you had the big day. You had the Crossroads Classic and then Colts Patriots at home and probably a bit of a salt and wounds. It's kind of wild how the Colts Colts franchises unfolded over the last 12 months since really, I think, one of the cooler moments inside of Lucas Oil Stadium with that Jonathan Taylor touchdown run. So, well, yeah. Uh, Mark, how about you guys? Uh, We're going to go to the Louisville... uh mega cavern they have lights in the cave we've done that every year uh since we had kids so we're gonna do that again i think may we're doing it tonight maybe may i ask a dumb question was this sure. maga like make america great no, again like is that mega, what i heard m-e-g-a oh. good lord what? go down to two floors kev i just thought it was a reasonable question no, on friday at 9 47 like, that's the, like that's zip, the nft cards that you're they, getting for they Christmas, have zip right? lining they have all this other stuff so no we've done it every year it's very Are fun these, very cool a, a dumb question because i know that kentucky as a state is very cavernous obviously mm-hmm. is this a natural cave or is this like a fabricated i believe it's a natural cave but obviously they've you know, made some adjustments to it to make I, it more. I did the Wyandot caves back in southern, or back when I was in junior uh-huh. high, southern Indiana. That was kind of a cool Wait, field Wyandot trip caves. Mm-hmm. That's at 79th and Dean, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry, that's or not 79th and Dean, 79th and River Road. That would be Wyandot School. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> Come on, you're on man. a roll today. Um, when you went to the Wyandot caves, is that like down near Bloomington or Bedford? Boy, for some reason, I thought it was further south. That, than may, that. that may be. I don't know. But did you have to? I was like in sixth grade. Did you grade. have to spelunk like through tight quarters? Or was yeah, uh huh. It, it, it was fun. I, I mean, and I'm probably a little bit more claustrophobic than most. I think being a field trip, being with your friends, probably helps. But um, yeah, it was could, a cool. Experience. Could you do if you were spelunking and you had to crawl through, let's say, a tunnel? that you knew for a fact you would not get stuck in, but it was, you know, let's say you had like a one-inch boundary all around you. Would you be able to do it? Yeah, boy, I don't know. I mean, the fact that the reassurance of not getting stuck would be ideal, but I'm not a great contorter of my body. I mean, there have been people... Oh, man, just the thought of it to me kind of freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, it man. is a little bit. I want to do it, but I have done it, but I, I would like to do it again. But, yeah, that would... That have you been to Mammoth good. Cave, Mark? Yep. I mean, it seems like you guys... Do I haven't gone kind of in it, but oh, we went We went like to like... We didn't do a tour of it, but we went down in it. But, yeah, I would love to do that. I, I don't... Blue Spring Caverns, that's another great one. I know we touched on this to kind of lead off the show. Jake, I don't think you make too much of the Drew Brees interim assistant for Purdue. I mean, it's cool, but I just, you know... But I do think it's important for Purdue as a football program... That Drew Brees still really cares. 
Totally. That that is a fair statement. He yep. lives in San Diego. He's around uh, Drew Brees is around Purdue more than say Antoine Randall is around Indiana, right? And I mean I mean Tim Brown in Notre Dame, right. you know, like right. I think that's really, really important for Purdue. He has no connections to Ryan Walters. He doesn't need to do this. I mean, he's got minimal connections with Jeff Brom. It's not like it's Joe Tiller still coaching right. at, at Purdue. And it's not like he grew up a Purdue fan. Right. Right. I you mean, know, it's Texas and San Diego. I mean, that's, you know, again, where his ties are. So I think it's important for Purdue that Drew Brees continues to want to have this sort of relationship um, with them. And again, he leads their NIL collective. And, you know, in a way, maybe it's motivational for some of those guys during bowl practices that Drew Brees will be there. Uh, watching again, Graham Harrell—that's the name reportedly of the new offensive coordinator. He comes from, he played for Mike Leach, coached with Mike Leach a little bit, most recently at West Virginia. Uh, also was the OC at USC. Uh, think air raid, spread attack. It's going to be very much modern college football. Well, from you Graham remember Harrell. when, if you recall when. Texas Tech was ranked number one. It might. It was one of the first years that, like the BCS, it might have even been the college football rankings came out. Oh, the Michael Texas, Crabtree game, the right? Michael Crabtree touchdown that yeah. beat Texas, and that was Graham Harrell, right? Uh-huh. And, and I mean, he threw for it was just ridiculous the numbers he was throwing for. Yeah, it was like 500 yards every week. Yeah, and you realize now, I mean, a lot of that was that offense, right? That that, and I give Purdue a lot of credit. I mean, that, that's a, a great way to go about doing it. You hire yourself. You know, you go out and you get a defensive-minded head coach, so now let's get an offensive coordinator that can just flat out, you know, come up with some innovative offense. It's a good way to do it. I just think it's a bummer that these guys, again, not the f- the high-end draft picks are now opting out, too, of these bowl games. Yeah, I mean... I mean, again, Notre Dame's got two opt-outs. It looks like they are... You know, first round picks, and I get Aiden O'Connell. Obviously, he's been through hell, frankly, over the last few weeks. Totally understand that. You know, the Payne Durham, the Charlie Jones front, Corey Trice. It's just, it's just a bummer that the enticement of a January bowl game against an SEC opponent has lost so much luster. And it's college football wide. I, again, I know we're singling out Purdue because they're in our own backyard, but. Just a bummer. It's a glorified spring game. I do understand, Kevin. I I understand why Aiden O'Connell. You know, when I when I initially yesterday saw the headline, I was walking out of the building. Jimmy Cook was walking in yesterday, and I said, "Hey, did you just hear this Purdue news?" And he said, "About Drew Brees." And I said, "And he said, and you know, he told me that." I said, "Oh, I didn't. I hadn't seen that yet." But Aiden O'Connell, it said, is not participating in the bowl game to enter the draft. And so we both kind of stood there like, is he really going to get, you know, I mean, he's probably a fringe draft player, right? Well, then, and I hadn't even thought about the passing of his brother and then read more about it. And what I saw was that it was not that he was bypassing the bowl game for the draft. It was that, and I understand this, that, you know, when Purdue was playing in the bucket game, he didn't have time to probably properly grieve after his brother's passing. And so just wanted to be around his family and take time away. And I, that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. Again, Purdue tomorrow night with Davidson. Their first game is the number one team in college basketball this season. So you get the lawyer matchup. Again, Davidson not, I think, at the level maybe we've u- we're used to out of them. Seven and three on the season. Uh, but still, that'll be fun atmosphere. Butler, of course, hosting UConn. If you missed it, we had that model on earlier. That'll be up on the podcast in Indiana, Kansas. The Jalen Hood-Shafino watch will 
certainly be very important. And Kansas, not super deep, not as big as Arizona, but still that environment will speak for itself. Uh, by the way, the Colts apparently worked out, rumor has it, uh, Nathan Rourke, somebody was asking me, uh, out of the CFL, played for the BC Lions, played collegiately for Ohio. Um, Kevin, you would know better than I, how often or how routine is it, how normal is it that when guys become available, especially from leagues whose season has ended, that they get a look? Yeah. Um, basically what you do is you sign guys to future contracts coming up here over the next couple of weeks. So um, I think that can be a part of it. You know, the Colts have had success, mainly in the Ryan Grigson era, with a guy like Jarrell Freeman. Um, Enoch Muamba was another guy they signed from the CFL. So typically when the CFL season ends, you try and get a jump start on that. Um, and again, Jake, it's in a small way, it's kind of one of these reminders that I have certainly not slammed the door shut on Chris Bauer still being here next season. Uh, he, by the way, was the winner, Nathan Rourke. He won the award for the top Canadian football player that's awarded each year in the NCAA. Do you know the name of that award? <laughs> the John Cornish Trophy. Doesn't that sound like a dish? Yeah, it sounds like something on Thanksgiving you'd have. The Cornish Award. Uh, did Aunt Sally bring the Cornish this year? <laughs> I love it. I that. hope not. If it's like corn pudding, I love it, man. Absolutely should, love it. Should we give our picks? Colts, Vikings? Yeah, let's do it. Mark Dykton, you said it's fallen to three and a half? Fallen to three and a half. And the over-under last I saw was like 47. 47 and a half, I believe. So uh, I don't know why the line is doing what it's doing. Uh <laughs> But I'm going to take the Vikings 28 to 17. I just I, I know the Vikings defense stinks, but I don't know how the Colts are going to keep up with Justin Jefferson and that offense, TJ Hawkinson and whatnot. I mean, Jonathan Taylor might have himself a day against the defense. I, I can't see the Colts keeping pace with that Vikings offense. Though so Vikings 28, Colts 17. Colts defense has been a strength for them this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that you're talking about one of the most dynamic players in the NFL in Jefferson. Uh, and I look, Cousins, there's nothing about him that blows you away, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to give you a game on a platter. I could be proven wrong in that. But I agree in, in their ability to score points against the Colts. So I will say 30 uh, 17. What did you say, 28 17? 17 20 feels 17. about right. Uh, I'll give the Colts a little love then. I'll say 30 21. Yeah, Minnesota. We're all kind of hovering in the same area. Um, you know, to Mark's point, their defense has been awful as of late, particularly the pass defense. They also have really struggled to run the football. So if Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner can control Dalvin Cook, you know, again, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. They've got other weapons too, but I am curious to see how that will unfold. It does appear, though, the Vikings are getting healthier. They're on a short week, but it looks like they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, and I think blocking their edge guys, Zedarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, uh, would have be of concern for me if I were the Colts. So I also will go with Minnesota to cover 27-17. It seems like the Colts have scored 16 or 17 points in every game this season. I, that's pretty fair, yeah. Like Chase, Chase McLaughlin makes a 52-yarder. <laughs> you know, think of a 17. It's indoors. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. Jake, Mark, enjoy the Christmas activities. We will talk to you on Monday.